This is Rob Mello. I play John Toombs, serial killer John Toombs, in the Happy Death Day franchises. You're listening to the Slumber Party Massacre podcast with Lacey Lou. I have to be honest with you. I fucking hated this movie so much. <laughs> Nikki. That I wasn't done talking. <laughs> Heather. But somehow I got a lifesaver. I don't know where I got it from. Who knows? Maybe I ate it off the fucking floor. Carly. It's a very uh, shit dog quality. And Rebecca. Uh, poopy. <laughs> now we're getting into more like dog nicknames. Enjoy. And I'll see you in your nightmares. Invited to attend episode 14 of the Slumber Party Massacre podcast. I am Lacey Lou, and with me are four of my favorite ladies in the entire world, my Slumber Party castmates. We have the lovely Carla, aka Carly, or well, it should be aka Carla, but whatever. You're, I think you're just Carla to me now. What's up, Carly? <laughs> yeah, Carla. Carly goes first, always. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, glad to be here, guys. I am a little sleepy. I've been working very late hours at work and having no fun afterwards because I keep falling asleep. But yeah, glad to be here. I'm awake and I am ready to talk with you fine ladies. Boo, work. Yeah. <laughs> we also have the lovely, my actual sister, uh, Nikki K. What's up, Nikki? Hey, doing well. I actually, I was just telling the ladies here last night, I actually did go out and have a drink last night. Um, I actually wanted to have more, but that's not what ended up happening. And I think that's probably a good thing considering we're recording early today, but happy to be here. I got my coffee and I'm ready to go as well. Right on. And in the midst of her busy schedule uh getting all things ready for tin roofs a movie rebecca reinhardt yeah i was just telling the ladies i had a special gummy last night and it was the premiere of season 13 of mystery science theater 3000 um i know there are a couple misties out there bill castanelli i'm talking to you um so that was exciting that was my friday night and i went to bed by 10 and now i'm podcasting in the morning on saturday because that's what grandma sluts do <laughs> fuck yeah <laughs> we drink coffee and we podcast early <laughs> and this watch party for uh sharks of the corn too didn't you yes i did not attend that because i had a birthday party uh so uh, shout out they aren't listening but um so Rob's kids, uh, Gabe and Alex, turned 11. And so we had a birthday party. And by the time they got home from school, they were sick of it being their birthday. So by the time they got to us and we're like, surprise, they're like, yay. Having a birthday. Huh? Who gets sick of having a birthday? I think just everybody was saying happy birthday and they had cupcakes mm. and everything else. And then we come home and it's like, oh, do you want some more cake? <laughs> okay, and some pizza. Oh, great. We have pizza all the time. But we ordered this pizza. 
ungrateful little brats. <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> Dan's birthday, and he literally goes, it's my birthday week, like, every day that week. And then just imagine what it's like on his actual birthday day. It's my birthday. <laughs> I love it. Service me, Lacey. It's my birthday. But I like to... um. I am an attention whore on my birthday. I like having everyone care about me for one day. Of Are the year. you serious? Like for real? Yeah. I'm so shocked. I never thought you'd be like, I would figure you wouldn't want anything. I wouldn't think that you would want a big birthday thing. That's cool. Personally, I don't want a birthday party or anything like that. I just want like, I just want birthday immunity. Like everybody leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> it's my birthday. <laughs> Carly doesn't want that. She wants a fucking parade. It's an excuse to, like, get my friends together and then, you know, have random people that haven't talked to me in 10 years say happy birthday and then not talk to me again. And I'm like, thanks. And then you get, like, 4,000 things on Facebook that you feel obligated that you have to respond to each one of them of people that you've never talked to in your life who are wishing you happy birthday. Yeah. (laughs) Birthdays suck. (laughs) and then we have our straight up partier from friday night coming right out of uh, the rave we have heather powell yeah like you guys all made wise decisions i never make wise decisions before we record i think i had i was down in my fourth cider after i did my edibles and i thought tomorrow's gonna be tough but it doesn't matter because I'm a fucking trooper and here I am. That's so right. I learned to make the wise decisions that you ladies don't. But at least I show up. Hey, I am here. Podcast you know? warrior. Right? <laughs> well, I feel like I've learned from my mistakes. I think the last time like I drank on the show was when we were recording at night. And I think it was like episode eight, I want to say. It was when we did all of our co-host picks. Yes. Uh, and yes. I got completely wasted and I just didn't even finish the show. So... <laughs> But I've never uh, been drunk on the show. I've been drunk the night before the show. I don't. I would probably fall asleep if we were recording. And I got drunk. Well, I have the greatest of intentions. Like, like I'll just start drinking, and like I'm not drunk to like start the show. But mm-hmm. our episodes run for so fucking long that I just yes. like got really plastered that night. So yes. I was like, all right, I can't. I can't do that anymore. So we switched to Saturday mornings. Yeah, I, yeah. Can't, I cannot drink. And I mean, I do drink and do shows like I do that on 22 shots usually or like big shows. But then I find that I get really tired and just kind of want to be done if I'm drinking. I'm not someone who's like real uppity and like just likes to keep talking. I'm just like, okay, I want to go to bed now and like drink a bottle of water. Um, So I think, yeah, this is for the best to, uh, you know. Hey, all I know is COVID restrictions are lifted. And I'm fucking coming to the States multiple times this year, ladies. Yes, My passport yeah. is ready. <laughs> and we will be drinking in person. That's right. Hey, you guys, uh, there's a there's a convention in Indianapolis in July. Done. Ooh, Very okay. centralized for all of us. <laughs> That's yeah, cool. For me, but still. Get very central for Rebecca. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, well. Well, then you guys... Then you guys can come hang out on my lake, too. I'll be there, Rebecca. Oh, yeah. Is the hot tub still there? (laughs) Uh, We had to get rid of the one hot tub. I had for three years. It started leaking and 
whatnot. So it got uh, it got the Viking funeral last year. But as soon as it's warm enough now, we've already we've already got plans to get another. I'm down. I will seriously meet you guys at any convention you go to. I'll have to fly no matter where any are. So it doesn't really fucking matter to me. But I will be there. We go to one. You let me know. Oh yeah. man, if if we if we did that in July, like, cause I'd be done with Tin Roof. Then if we did that in July, it would be a party, girls. I don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll do it in July. I mean, I don't have anything planned for July as of now, so mm. I can definitely make room in my schedule. I, maybe we need to do a Patreon for this, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, under sleep. That's over. a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure people. Well, I mean, we could do live streaming like of weekend. us. <laughs> we do live streaming of us swimming on my lake. I think we could get some money. Yeah, we could. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, do a live show are- on the lake in our bathing suits. <laughs> oh, bathing suits. Yeah. Yeah, bathing suits. Right. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> I do have I'm sorry. That means I got to get my ass in gear to work out over the next few months. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, you fine, Lacey. You fine. Mah. <laughs> you won't, honey. Nah. If you're so drunk, you won't care what you look like. Bikinis <laughs> yeah, only. Yeah. Only. I just walk get in with swimsuit that makes the booty look good. That's all I care. She'll about. walk in with yeah. like booty, booty, booty. little cover up and her makeup all perfect. Within a couple hours, she's gonna have mascara down her face and her bathing suit up her ass. That's awesome. Sounds <laughs> like a good night. Cool. What do you mean? I'm gonna get a. A bathing suit that like is just like a g-string anyway, so it will already be on my ass. But I don't have to worry about it. I just saw one that came up on my Facebook feed. It's one of those pinup ones that's like really horrible for tan lines, but so adorable. The, the ones that are almost like boy short, and it's like a romper type thing with a little. That would be cute. That would be a cute photo op if we all wore those. Oh, you mean like the ones that like go like they cover up your butt a good bit? Yeah, they're like really like short shorts, and then they come yeah, up. Yeah, those. And it's like those are in. Those are in style, yeah, and they make yeah. they make you look good. You know, they cover you up, but it's like it, it really highlights the curves. I think. Yeah, so, yeah, they're really yeah. they're really cute. Put on some high heels. You do our makeup. There's a photo op for us too. No, you know, it'd be cool if we hired like a photographer for that weekend, and we could get some like promo shots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I just thought we like... were going to get drunk, but now we're doing a photo shoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could get a table, but then we'd have to work. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Fuck, there's, there's work now. Okay, that's cool. No, 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 no. So, uh, <laughs> I'm not coming now. All right, guys. Oh, no, I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> so, um, obviously, like, I kind of stopped doing fan mail for a little bit. I'm sure I'll bring it back if we ever get any. <laughs> um, but I'm not pressing people for it anymore. But I did ask a question in the group, and I said, what is a girl talk topic you would like to hear us talk about on our next episode? And, um... Derek, Nathan's are the best hot dogs. Um, I'll just say that. Um, I, well, no, no, I, like, I don't even know what brand, like, I just know I don't like ballpark wieners. Um, Like, they taste (laughs) funny. I think I like... Heather hasn't had a wiener she didn't like. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Oh, I was like a five-year-old. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I know. I, ha- I have the sensibilities of a 10-year-old boy. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. Uh, Paul Presenza asked, who's cuter, Jason or Michael Myers? I feel like this is a no-brainer. <laughs> oh, no. What did, did you say? What do you think? Who do you think's cuter? If you think it's a no-brainer. Well, fucking Michael. I mean, Jason's fucking like a mongoloid. 
Yeah, okay, I agree. I'm in it for Jason's personality. Jason's a minor who somehow grows to be big, so I, I don't know. I mean, you know what they say about big feet. Come on. <laughs> Michael Five Myers wearing any big boots. Come on. Oh, wait, are you guys going Michael or Jason? I'd go, I'll go with Michael. Michael. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jason, I'll yeah. take him. I'll take him. I'll I'll have him by myself, and ladies, you guys can share bland ass Michael Myers. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you enjoy that zombie penis. That's yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you are Jason's girl. So. I am Jason's girl. I'm Jason's old lady and now, then, but. <laughs> and then uh, we did get asked a soundtrack question, but I think I want to pose that for a pillow fight debate later on down the road. So I'm going to save that one. And who did that one? Uh, Dan. Okay. And that is a very good one. That soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I would like to do that as a pillow fight debate though. Um, Cause I, I want to be able to like actually go more in depth with it. And I have the winner in my head already. So that's okay. Um, and then Erin Yervina, who also, by the way, last episode when we brought up, um, uh, he was the one who posed the question of, uh, he was dating a new gal who mm-hmm. hadn't seen horror movies, so he presented us with that question. I'm happy to let everybody know that relationship did not work out. Oh. Um, because, uh, I, what was it that she said? She said that horror was too something. Um, oh, whatever. Yeah, if it, if yeah. it was a negative adjective, she's out. Uh, I, said, mm-hmm. I said, get rid of her, and he goes, she's gone. I'm curious what movie he showed her. Or not that, even not that it matters. He might not have gone that far. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It sounds uh, like he was probably like, hey, let's watch Bubble Boy. Well, she's, I think she said something along the lines of that horror was problematic. So I'm just wondering, like, yeah, what she good. found problematic. Well, then oh. she's problematic. <laughs> bye, bye. Bye. I think we gave all good suggestions, so whichever one he showed... Um, and, but he did ask a question this time, which was, which horror villain would you take to the prom and why? Well, that's a good one. I'm going to go with, God, um, I just have like the biggest crush on Mickey, uh, Timothy Olafantastic from, um, Scream 2. So even though he's a psychopath then you know, like I have to go and support him at his trial if he was to get out of Scream 2. Um, and I don't, there were so many memes going on about him this last, um, after Scream came out, it was like literally my favorite part of being on the internet that week. Um, cause it was when, you know, the reveal in Scream 2 happens and he's like, Billy's mother. So like, it was kind of like the cat and the lady meme, but like, so it would just be like a reveal and, uh, it would have Gail and Sydney be like, um, Aunt Jemima, and it, then it would have a picture of like the Aunt Jemima syrup, and then it would have Mickey's face, and he's like, Billy's favorite syrup. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see any of those, but that's amazing. And it was fucking hilarious. So um, I don't know. I love Mickey, so I'm going to go with Mickey from Scream 2 as my prom date. Mm. I'll be basic, bitch. I'm taking Jason, man. He's my guy. <laughs> I mean, I, you know what? I might take that. From Happy Death Day, though. 
that there you go. Oh, yeah. he's yeah. pretty hot. You should take him. He is, and he's a good dancer, and he'll spike the punch for us. I respect the game right there. Yeah. All right, Heather, who would you pick? Oh, fuck, I don't know. This is, like, a big pressure. Um, Like, I kind of like your idea, but you know what? I'm going to take Stu from Scream, because I feel like he would be fine. Yeah, because I was going to say, I'm not fighting over my date. No, Heather. I'm going to take Stu. <laughs> he's going to be jokes, and we're going to smoke a lot of pot and drink, so it'll be good. I mean, just kill some people, you know. <laughs> Maybe kill some people. I like it. Carly. Nancy, I was actually also going to say Stu because I kind you, of. We can share. Crush. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I kind of have a crush on him in Scream. And that's a good point. He, sound, he seems like a fun guy. He seems funny and everything. And, uh, you know, besides the killing part, uh, I think he's cool. So I'm going to be basic and steal your date as well, because I don't really want Billy Loomis. I, I, I'm not Billy a big fan Loomis, of that. Billy Loomis, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, when Randy quotes it. For, uh, no, okay, never I didn't hear what you said. I was, I, it didn't come through all the way on my end. God damn it. Um, no, I was quoting Randy from Scream 2 when he's like, Billy Loomis, Billy Loomis, what the fuck? Mm. <laughs> and Nikki. Hmm. I'd have to go with Jerry Dandridge from Fright Night. And there's actually yeah. a scene in that movie where he dances. And I've always thought that that was really hot. So I'd, I'd go with him. Charlie would be so jealous. Yeah, he would, but he'd have to deal with it. <laughs> Understandable. All right. Well, that concludes our listeners' questions portion of the episode. So now we are getting into our actual girl talk topic, which is kids say or do the darndest things. <laughs> so, uh, <coughs> this is supposed to be about... Um, Stories that you've heard told about you when you were a kid. Um, you can obviously have remembered it, or if you, nobody tells stories, then just tell one that you remember of yourself, I guess. So we will start with Rebecca. Okay. Well, I have a sister. Well, I have two sisters. One is six years older than I am. One is 14 years older than I am. So, of course, I could tell a lot of stories. They love to torment me. Uh, unlike Nikki Williams, my older sister was a tyrant. I love you, Diane, but you terrorized me, and we know this. Uh, and she's actually proud of it. So, um, but uh, this is actually not even a story. I could have told many stories where they tormented me, but this is one that I told them, and now it's become a family favorite. So, uh, when I was four, it was Christmas time, and. Uh, I was a dork and, you know, my, my older sister, I saw her go to school, but I had wanted to go to school for years. We were too poor for preschool, you know, and um, like, so my sister always played school with me and she taught me how to spell encyclopedia, which again, I think she wanted, she wanted everybody to hear me spell it. Like, look what I made the monkey do, you know, but uh, so she had a friend over Cindy Schrader, which I can't not say her name, like, not like that. Cindy Schrader. So Cindy was over and Diane was like, oh, look, you know, I taught her how to spell encyclopedia. I'm like, E-N-C-Y-C-L-O-P-E-D-I-A, you know, and uh, and Cindy's like, oh, I want to be a teacher. 
like, oh, da, 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 you know, and it was time for me to go to bed. She's like, how about I read you a story? Okay. So she takes me back to my room and we're reading this little golden book about Farmer Brown and his family and what they do during the day. And um, one of the things is like, you know, Mrs. Brown makes the family like bacon, eggs and whatever. I still don't remember what was. Get done with the whole story. And she said, okay, so what did Farmer Brown and his family have for breakfast? And I was like, uh, you know, eggs and sausage or whatever. I said it wrong. She smacked me in the face. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I started crying. Like she smacked you? She smacked me across the face. And I am the meekest, meekest child. Like I never got, you know, I never got in trouble for anything, whatever. So I walk out and I'm like, I run back to the family room and I'm crying. I'm sure my face was beat red. You know, Cindy's following me. And my mom is like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know. Because I didn't want to not be, you know, I didn't want to be stupid. And, you know, I didn't want to get Cindy in trouble for whatever reason. And Cindy's like, I don't know. I mean, she just started crying, whatever. Well, I never told anybody about this until probably about five or six years ago. I told this at one of our family functions. And they all were like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. And uh, Diane's like, Dude, Cindy's like a sixth grade social studies teacher. <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, I held that in for like 30 years for some reason, 30, 35 years for I don't know why. But like, once I told it, it was like a weight was lifted. I was like, you guys seriously didn't know? Like, no, we had no idea. Like, Cindy, Cindy was a master liar. So there's my story. <laughs> <laughs> my trauma I, I have to find that little golden book to find out what they really had for breakfast though <laughs> oh we still don't know that <laughs> yeah I still don't know I blocked that from my memory well fucking Cindy Shaper fuck Cindy oh, oh, she doesn't deserve her proper name to be said I'm, properly. I'm sure she I'm sure she's a lovely woman she's like 50 years old now so <laughs> I think I can kind of forgive her, maybe, even though, you know, we really haven't had that moment of atonement yet. Yeah, I think fucking Cindy owes you an apology, Rebecca. Oh, she yeah. does. And I guarantee it's one of those things she doesn't remember. You know, so inconsequential in her life, but so important in mine. Guarantee it. <laughs> All right, Carly, what you got? Um, I have a just a series of tiny little stories of me being ornery. Um, And I was a pretty good kid, but anytime I went with my grandparents, I would act up and it's because my grandpa liked to talk, like he, he thought it was funny when I acted up. So he would usually instill it within me. Um, So one of them, uh, they took me to the mall once my grandparents and uh, they were buying me new shoes, I guess. And I was probably, I want to say I was probably like two or three for all these stories because I I don't really remember them myself. Um, But I was sitting there trying on shoes and I guess the shoes uh, person came around and asked if we needed any help with anything. And I said, no, lady, now take my shoe back and go take a hike. And then my (laughs) grandpa was like, she's not our kid. To the lady because he was embarrassed. So that was one of them. Another instance, um, 
my grandparents, I guess, were going through the McDonald's drive-thru because um, they were hungry, obviously. And they asked me like a million times, "Are you? do you want something? Like, are you sure you don't want like a Happy Meal or anything? And I just kept saying, no, I'm not hungry. No, 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 no. And this reminds me of something I would do like in, in current life, too, where I would just keep saying no and then change my mind. But they went up and ordered, you know, they're like, you know, we want Big Macs or whatever. And they left the ordering section and they said that I was in the back seat and I was like, and a cheeseburger. Cause I wanted a cheeseburger. And then my grandpa was pissed and had to go around the drive through again after getting their food to then get me said cheeseburger. Um, and then the last story, um, I was getting a bath at their house and my grandpa was in the, bathroom with me my grandma was probably downstairs or something and then she you know he was like making me laugh and like playing with me in the tub and stuff and um she came up to you know check on me as well and I told her I don't want you in here why don't you go do the dishes or something which is probably because she was constantly doing dishes and in my head that's all she did so <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's, Fuck that's, off. What, that's great. Yeah, basically. I, was, <laughs> I always had this attitude with them. My mom said I never acted like that at home, but it was because they always like wound me up and thought it was hilarious. So <laughs> that's basically it. And I don't really remember any of those events, but um I was like I said, I was probably three with all of those or so. I, I just like that. You asked for a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, not a happy, just like, and a cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, trying to yell it to the to the freaking speaker as we drove away. <laughs> I love it. All right, Nikki. Yeah, I got, I have two short little stories. One is one that I enjoy telling about Lacey. Um, but the first story is about me. When I was probably five or six, um, my my dad tells this story about me all the time. Um, my next door neighbor, Patience, that was her name. She came and knocked on the door like super early in the morning wanting me to go outside and play. And my dad was still asleep. And I even had to push the chair up to the door to unlock the chain so I could answer the door. And since he was asleep, I didn't want, I knew he was going to tell me no, that I couldn't play outside. So I just went outside anyway and played with her. About 20 minutes into playing, I hear my dad calling for me and I didn't want to go inside. So I convince my friend to hide with me. So we hide in this bush that's connected to the house that's next to mine and we hide there for about good two, three, four hours. And my dad called a search party. The whole neighborhood was looking for us. Like they could not find us. And this, my, my friend at the time, she's like, maybe we should get out of here. I was like, no, then, then we'll have to go inside. And like, we, I didn't want to like go inside after all of that. Um, but yeah, we were in this bush for like four or five hours hiding and this one of the the neighbor guys, he actually found us because he stuck his head in the bush. He goes, I found them. I found them. 
And I just remember coming out of the bush and walking up to my dad and he just like held on to me like so tight because I think it was a huge lesson for him in that moment to, you know, kind of be more mindful of (laughs) where your kids are at, where your kids are at and stuff. But um, yeah, my dad tells that story pretty frequently. But my favorite story that I like to tell about Lacey um, Lacey, I actually, um, I'm the reason Lacey says cuss words. So when I was in, <laughs> when I was in, no, this is my, this is my favorite story ever. Okay. I was in fifth grade. And so Lacey was probably first grade or so. And we were outside playing and I thought I was cool. I was running around saying, fuck this and fuck that. And, um, Lacey's like walking around and she comes up to me and she's like, Nikki, can I say a cuss word? And I said, no, you can't. You just can't. And like the look on her face, she was so distraught that I said, okay, just one, just one. And she, she puts her, her hand in her chin and she very matter of factly looks at me and she goes, shit. (laughs) I can hear young Lacey saying it that way. (laughs) And from then on out, it's, it's history. (laughs) That's, I, I, I'm impressed that you hid in a bush for a full five hours. (laughs) I know that, that was, uh, that was, um, longevity I don't know yeah I would have got really <laughs> bored and been like fuck this I'm going home. <laughs> I just didn't want to I didn't want to go inside inside was more boring <laughs> but sitting well, in like a jaggedy bush sad. I know I know but I never did a little shack with no electricity or something Nikki <laughs> no no I, did, I was just always told no, that I couldn't, like, go outside and do anything. So I was just like, I'm taking matters into my own hands. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Shit. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right. So, uh. When I was younger, I'm sure you guys had this shit, too. Like, you would collect cereal box, like, you know, coupons from cereal boxes, and you would send it away and get something. Um. I feel like this started in America and Canada just adopted it. So anyway, I used to eat cornflakes and I would collect enough of the barcodes and I sent them away and I got this cock-a-doodle-doo alarm clock. And uh, it literally would cock-a-doodle-doo like a, like a rooster. And I thought that it would be funny when I was staying over at my grandparents' house to put it underneath my parents' bed and set it for 3 a.m. Um, they had probably gone out to party and drink. And that's why I was staying at my grandparents' place. But anyway, so it goes off. And I guess my parents were, like, fucking losing their mind because they couldn't find this fucking alarm clock. And they pick me up the next day. And they're like, Heather, that was not funny. Um, You really upset us with (laughs) a prank. And I thought it was hilarious. I was probably, like, eight. And I didn't think it really stuck with them. But to this day, anytime they meet a new friend, boyfriend, whoever, they tell them the story. Like, they're like, did you know when Heather was eight years old, she put this fucking alarm clock underneath our bed? Still, I'm 39, and they still remember it like it was yesterday. Um, Yeah, I think that is probably my, like, 
story to end all stories because it's the one thing like if you ladies all came up and we went to my parents place they'd be like so nice to meet you did you know that one time when heather was eight years old she set a fucking alarm <laughs> clock underneath our bed like they are still traumatized by this event um and i'm probably very lucky that i'm an only child or i may not be here today so so I, i'm surprised you didn't try to play it off like i wasn't even there what the hell did oh uh, well do? they knew it was me there's no other sibling they're like <laughs> Fucking oh. did it, right? <laughs> they knew it was me. They knew it was me, and yeah, I, yeah, I totally did. I thought it was funny. I still think it's funny, but it is don't. funny. Right? Heather, <laughs> I'm actually gonna make you tell another story because you've already told that one. Oh, I did. Yeah, you, you did. But I do have a follow-up question on that. How many boxes of freaking cornflakes do you have to buy? Oh, to get it was probably box? like. 10 or 12 <laughs> honestly yeah, like it was probably a, a lot. lot of cornflakes oh shit i thought let's see i don't have many stories from when i was a kid oh, okay i'll talk <laughs> about the one where i almost died so oh we, bring up that the, one yes um yeah. we, went, we went to the toronto zoo which is like the big zoo around here <laughs> and i guess i was just like a toddler i don't know how fucking old i was but somehow i got a lifesaver i don't know where i got it from who knows maybe i ate it off the fucking floor and I guess I started choking, like choking, choking, choking. And my mom's losing her mind, freaking out. My dad's freaking out. And I guess some stranger just comes up and grabs me, flips me over his knee, hits my back, pops out, gives me back to my parents and walks away. So whoever this mystery wow. man was saved my life. Um, wow. My parents. Walked. Yeah, just walked up. Now, this is Canada. Just walked up and like picked up me and like flipped me over, hit my back, and I guess it popped out, and I was fine, and he just walked away after that. My parents never even got to thank him, because they were probably so panicky, right? Like, they were kind of trying to come down from the shock. Um, so, yeah, I have zero memory of this event. Zero. Zero memory of it, but my parents remember it clear as day, so. Wow. Yeah. And kudos to that guy. If that was the America, he would have he would have run away because he'd be afraid of getting sued. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> or that better yet, no one would help at all and you would have just died in America. Yeah. yeah. It it would they be would've... all over the internet, but in, right. in all fairness, this was back in like nineteen eighty seven. So, you know, it could have been a different time. I don't know. Mm. I don't, I'm, maybe I'll go to the Toronto Zoo this year and try to choke on a lifesaver and see what happens and see if the same someone puts me over their knee and <laughs> slap it out of me. I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So that's uh, that's the only other story I can think of. Yeah, I that's, actually any interest. Lifesaver once too, Heather. Like I was see? probably yeah, I was pretending to play like Buffy and like I stole a lifesaver from my grandma Sandy, like because she had like a little stash of them in a drawer and I was like I want a lifesaver so I took it and um so like I have it in my mouth and I'm like doing like karate kicks in the basement and it like got wet like it like like I like breathed in or something and it <clears throat> back and I just remember the way that it like felt in my throat um and I, I didn't want to tell anybody about it so like I'm just sitting here in all this pain so like I go to the bathroom and I'm trying to like hack it up but like I, I couldn't get it out and um oh. yes yeah, so I just like kind of had to wait for it to melt in my esophagus, I guess, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I, I was too stubborn to tell. But that's not my story. But I think it's funny. We both uh, choked on lifesavers. So the message is be careful around lifesavers. Yeah, they're dangerous. Dangerous indeed. And ironically, they're called lifesavers. <laughs> oh, isn't that ironic? Oh, 
There you go. They're, they are not life-saving at all. I think they're killers. I bet you if I Google right now, lifesaver death, there's probably, <laughs> there's probably a lot. Do it. That's a good movie title. The lifesaver killer. <laughs> mm. All right. So my story, um, I like to think I was a sweet little kid. But um, like Carly, I was like, you know, she's a birthday whore. I like attention, too. So <laughs> um, we lived with my grandma at the time and we had like a bunch of my cousins over and everything. And literally no one was paying attention to me. Like, no, nobody. So I was like, all right, how can I get their attention? I want to be the life of the party. I'm three, you know. And um, so I decided to take a Lisa Frank bead and stick it up my nose. And I was like, hey, everybody, look at me. I got this bead in my nose. And <laughs> they were like, Lacey, no. And they're like, get that out of your nose right now. Um, blow it out. And so, like, instead of blowing it out, like, I blew it in. Oh, no. And, um, like, yeah, I kept, like, sniffing it in instead of blowing it out like apparently I didn't know how to blow out <laughs> and um so um everybody's like oh no so like they go and they tell my grandparents and my mom and they're like no you got to blow it out and I I couldn't get it to blow out or whatever because I just kept sniffing it in and so it like got wedged like clear up into my nose and so uh I just remember, like, my mom grabs me and, like, like runs me to the car and, like, everybody, like, hops in. Like, it was, like, a full family event while, and this was, like, late at night. It was, like, on a Sunday. And so it was, like, around 7 or 8. So, like, no, like, emergency places aside, like, emergency rooms were open. I remember just, like, going to, like, place to place to try to find a place other than, like, the actual hospital. Uh, <laughs> to uh try to get this uh pill this this bead out of my nose i don't know why i called it a pill. um and so we finally they end up taking me to the emergency room and i just remember the doctor taking this uh light and he's like oh that's he's like that's really in there <laughs> and so uh, <coughs> i remember him coming over and grabbing like these plier looking things and and he was trying to like get it in my nose, but it was like painful. So he was like, okay, like we don't want to actually have to do surgery. So like, yeah, it was this bad. So they gave me like this orange juice stuff, which like makes you like, it has like medicine in it to like make you loopy, but like, it just wasn't working. Like it, like I could still feel it. Like, cause he kept like trying to come back with these pliers to get this thing out of my nose, but I'm like, ow. <laughs> and so they just kept giving me more and more of this orange juice stuff. So it made me end up getting like drunk as like a three-year-old, but I apparently had a really high tolerance from even then. So <laughs> I had like I had five or six of these fucking orange juice drinks. And finally they were able to unwedge the bead from my nose. I should have kept that as a fucking souvenir. But so like, so I'm like a little drunk three-year-old. And uh, we go back to my grandma's or whatever. And, like, the ones that weren't able to come were still over there. And I just remember, like, coming in. I was like, hi, everybody. And, like, I started to, like, just hug everybody and tell them I love them. They're like, holy fuck, she's drunk. <laughs> like, I was like, I got to pee. And so, like, I, like, pushed everybody, like, out of my way. And 
like I went to the bathroom because like obviously like you break your cell when you're drinking. So I knew this <laughs> at a very early age. So nobody had like seen me for like a few minutes. So like we should probably make sure she's okay. So like and I was like really, really tiny as a kid. So um they opened the bathroom door and I had fallen into the, the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Shades so, of things to come. <laughs> yes. So, like, I feel like this was the predecessor for, like, my life story. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, that's my story. And um, the, the funny thing about it is so many people tell this story, like, their version of events of how it happens. Um, it, it varies from mm-hmm. each all. Each we all had a different perspective. perspective. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's yeah, my she told. She told me she was going to punch me in the stomach. <laughs> don't, don't remember that. <laughs> but, yeah, so um, it ended with them helping me out of the toilet. But, yeah. That's <laughs> I just picture you this whole time being like, yeah, I'm getting the attention I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no. Yeah. She was probably more like this because she had the beads up, right. up her nose. <laughs> yeah. So that thing, that sucker was wedged the fuck in there, and it's all because I didn't know how to blow. Right. I don't think I knew that. Like when people told me to blow my nose as a kid, I always sucked it in. Yeah. And I thought that was the right thing to do. Like I never knew how to blow my nose. Yeah. And yeah. The frustration that was getting like set on their faces when that was happening like I just remember like (laughs) they probably just wanted to like smack me (laughs) so they did the right thing and took me to the ER and got me drunk and started early yeah nice (laughs) you can blame those medical professionals for anything (laughs) all right ladies that concludes our girl talk topic Um, This time around, for our Girl Talk game, I thought it would be fun if we kind of played, I'm going to do a various amount of topics here, and it's a name game kind of thing. So, like, when I give the topic, we're going to go around until we can't name anymore. So, all right, so we'll start with an easy one. Uh, John Carpenter Movies. Carly, start us out. The Thing. Rebecca. Uh, Halloween. Nikki. In the Mouth of Madness. Heather. The Fog. Christine. Uh, Carly. Um, Escape from New York. Rebecca. I'm going to say Halloween, too. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, sorry, I'm a basic bitch today. Nikki. Big Trouble in Little China. Heather? Vampires. Ooh. Um, uh, um, uh, uh, Village of the Damned? Yes. That was him? Uh, Carly. Remake, yeah. Um, uh, Assault on Precinct 13. Rebecca. Uh, did he do They Live? Yes, he did. Okay. Nikki. Mmm. Did he help with the new Halloween? He was a producer. <laughs> yeah, we could count yeah. that. Yeah. So wait, so John Carpenter films, I mean, we didn't say had to be directed by. Oh, yeah. come on, you guys. All right. Heather. <laughs> Halloween <Thank you>. H2O. 
Okay, so maybe we should say, okay, now let's just nix all the Halloween movies if we're going to say anything <laughs> bad. And, and <laughs> Halloween, the curse. I'm like, yeah. We'll be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I lose a point I cannot name anymore. <laughs> the ward. Oh, nice. Good one. Good one, Carly. Thanks. Uh, you guys can keep going if you want. Oh, uh, no. No. <laughs> Oh, now. <laughs> All right, next one. Um, horror subgenres. Heather, stars out. I'll rate revenge. <laughs> Nikki. What's the topic? Horror subgenres. Horror subgenres. Um. What did you say, Heather? <laughs> rate revenge. I went. I went right Nikki to it. Nikki dropped out there for a minute. <laughs> I um. Horror subgenres. Yeah. Uh, horror comedy. That works. Rebecca. Camp slashers. Carly. Um, creature features. Found footage. Heather. Slasher. Nikki. Sci-fi. Rebecca. Uh, vampires. Carly. Werewolves. Zombies. Heather. A24 Art House. No, I'm just kidding. Um, fuck. Uh, I, uh, pass. I can't think of anything. That's an actual... Yeah. All right. Uh, well, this one should be easy. All right, we're going to start with Rebecca. Types of booze. Types of booze, Merlot. <laughs> Nikki. Gotta go with your faves. Coors Light. Heather. Rum. Carly. Bud Light. Tito's. Rebecca. I'm mm. gonna say Purple Passion for all you old people out there. Nikki. Mad Dog 2020. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Heather. Tequila. Carly. Vodka. Jägermeister. Rebecca. Rum. Oh, eh, Heather already said it. Oh, she did? Did you say yeah. rum? Yeah. I did say rum. Oh, I fucked that up. That's all right. That's all right. All right. We're here all day. So, again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, couples pet nicknames. Um, uh. Nick. <laughs> Baby. Heather. Hun. Carly. Cringe. Um, babe. <laughs> Did you say babe? Babe. Just babe. Rebecca. Smoopy. Sugar tits. Nikki. <laughs> Sweetheart. <laughs> Heather. My boo. Sh- sugar tits. <laughs> Carly. <laughs> Okay, Bay. <laughs> I'll go there. Rebecca. Uh, sweetie pie. Um. Um. What? Uh, my love. Nikki. Dumplin'. Who the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Heather. 
lover. Carly. Cutie pie. Rebecca. Uh, my cum dumpster. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, doll face. Nikki. Sugar plum. Heather. Smooshy. <laughs> Carly. Uh, pumpkin. Oh. Rebecca. Uh, poopy. poopy. Now we're getting into more like dog nicknames. <laughs> uh, 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 um, Boo Bear. Oh. Nikki. Darlin. Heather. I don't know. Um, sweet thing. <laughs> Sugar bear. Sugar bear. <laughs> this All is right, going on way longer than it should. Yeah. That's just finish us out. All right. Old lady or old man. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. Nice. All right. <clears throat> Internet slang. Heather's. Oh, uh, LOL. Carly. WTF. Rebecca. IDK. AF. Nikki. TTYL. <laughs> Talk to you later. <laughs> ROFL. Right, yeah. Yeah. Carly. LMAO. Rebecca. <laughs> okay, that was the one I was just gonna say. So now I gotta think of something else. Uh WTF. The one said that one, right? I said that one. Did you? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I am I get an F for not paying attention. This is why Cindy Straight attacked me. All right, guys. Types of underwear. Carly. Uh thong. Or wait, that's not what you call. It. Is that what you call it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I'm yes. Ex- I'm thinking of you know I don't know we used to. Call You're thinking them. of your granny panties. I know. No, it's yeah. Fun. Okay. Yeah. You know, I just I go on. She was gonna say first. Yeah. Okay, that's why I threw it to her first. <laughs> oh, granny panties. Boy shorts. Uh, boxers. Nikki. Cotton. That works. Uh, Heather. Bikini cut. Ooh. Carly. G string. Rebecca. Uh, my favorite lately are the ones called cheeky. Oh yeah. I like those. They're kind of somewhere between a thong and a brief. Mm-hmm. 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 Um. Uh, um uh, small. There you go. <laughs> Large. <laughs> Medium. Triple <laughs> XL. All right. Halloween movies and sizes. Off the table. Uh, edible. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Which is disgusting, but yes. How about uh, going commando? Yeah. Nikki. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. 
All right. Um, next one. Uh, sex positions. Oh, I was born for this topic. Nikki stars out. Missionary. Oh. Ah, uh, cowgirl. Carly. Doggy style. Rebecca. Reverse cowgirl. Yeah. Sixty-nine. Nikki. Don't say you just did missionary and now you can't. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little harder than I thought it would be, though. Yeah, there. I don't really know the names um, for. Oh, we can take descriptions <laughs> of this one. <laughs> um, oral, oral sex. Okay. Um, Heather. <laughs> the wheelbarrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Carly. Uh, I had one. Oh. From behind. Alright. <laughs> 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 uh, Rebecca. Uh, countertop sex. Yeah! Yeah. Bondage? Mmm. Like tied up sex, I guess? Nikki. <laughs> Um, bathtub sex. (laughs) Here we go. The spread eagle. (laughs) That's actually like a actually like a sex. Yeah. So you spread out your legs like you're stretching, and if you're well, you had a sexual sexual situation, and the guy comes in and he can get like right up in your shit. Legs stretched. Guy comes in inside. Insert here. Insert here. Dumpster. That's Um, right. (laughs) Carly. Um. When he lifts your lift your legs up in the air, like all the way up, and then sex is on you. And then sex (laughs) is that one. (laughs) I love it. The forty-year-old virgin. Where he's like, oh, yeah, and you grab her boobs and it feels like bags of sand. <laughs> 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 I like the key sexes on you. Uh, uh, a thing I like to call lazy sex, where both of you just lay on your sides. and kind oh, of Like spoon. a sidewinder. Sidewinder. Is that yeah. what it's called? I oh, just call it lazy sex. Yeah. Um, uncomfortable car sex. Mmm. Mmm. Like always hitting your legs or something in, uh, when you're in the back seat or if you're in the front of the car and like your back is like grinding up against the fucking steering wheel and you're like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Nikki. Um, tantric sex. All right. Heather. Just because it hasn't been said anal sex. Ooh. Carly. A quickie. Yeah. Yeah. Game. (laughs) Rebecca. Uh, one I think they call the catcher position, where the girl's on top but can on her feet bounce come down like a baseball. Oh. Done it. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to say this right now. There's not one of these that I haven't done. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I'm like, 
uh, slobbing on the knob. That that's just terminology, but um, um, oh, um, cosplay sex. Yeah. Like furry sex, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You done that one, Rebecca? Uh, furry sex, no. I, you know, there have been some dress-up involvements, but not furry sex, no. Okay, you got me there. <laughs> Nikki? Is there something called the pile driver? <laughs> <laughs> what is pile driver? <laughs> I quote for this intro. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to try it with Anthony later, though, Nikki, if we tell you what it is? You have to tell me what it is. <laughs> We're Googling this shit. I think it would be where the guy holds you, and I, or, or vice versa, and you're giving them head or oral sex. That's what I assume it would be. I don't know. I don't, I've never even heard that, but it is definitely something. <laughs> I don't try it. Sorry, guys. No, somebody look up the exact. I'm, I'm Googling. I'm Googling. Sex position. Uh, yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa. I don't even understand what these people are doing. Okay, I'll get back to the picture. I don't even understand. It says it's a quite an exotic position, requires a lot of flexibility. It can be very awkward to get into with your man. Once you're in it, you can both be quite uncomfortable. Okay, well, this sounds like a great, it, it even quick warning. Well, this tutorial video is quite distressing. It will teach you how to make your man scream with pleasure. I am just going <laughs> to send you this picture because I don't understand. I really don't understand what the hell is going on here. I think she is, okay, so she's on her back and flipped up totally, like, you know how you do that yoga pose where, like, you flip your legs over and kind of behind your head. He is yeah. sitting on her butt, literally sitting on her butt, fucking her. <laughs> I, Why I'm would sending, you do <laughs> Like, I am sending this picture to you guys. I, Please. You know what, Nikki? If you do Wait. the pile driver, I will give you a hundred dollars. <laughs> oh wow! Oh my! I can say I've never done that. I can say I don't even. Yeah. Is it sex? I'm not sure. What if you snapped your neck? Like that's a lot of pressure on your shoulders mm -hmm. and your yeah. vertebrae. Yeah, She's my back would not be able to. Well, do you not? see like the red part it, like I think she might be dead yeah I think she's dead yeah, definitely <laughs> well she has a contusion on her head but he keeps going she's fucking dead like all right uh well then that brings up another type of sex which would be is it necrophilia Delia, yeah necrophilia yeah oh. necrophilia hey it's a type yeah yeah I don't know if it's a position though but it's just a type of sex <laughs> All right, should we end it there, guys, with that one? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, the pile out. driver. Everybody go Google the pile driver. <laughs> yeah. And if anyone tries it, you can write in to let us know how it goes. Please if your partner's still alive or not. Yes. Yeah, please. <laughs> or, if, or if, in fact, they are dead. All right. Yeah. Um, and then I have one more topic before <laughs> we close out this segment, which is grandma sluts in film. Ooh. Oh. Oh, can I go first? Yes. Rebecca Reinhardt. <laughs> yeah. 
Fuck you. Um, Magda from There's Something About Mary. What exactly qualifies a grandma slit in film, though? There yeah, like, like Stifler's mom, I guess you could probably. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll just keep this one open to free form. So if you have some, just shout them out. Uh, Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. Sharon Stone, Basic Instinct. Mm, good she one. She was like 30. But okay. <laughs> like, calm down. <laughs> I'm like, where do we do the cutoff for Grandma's Slut? 30 and above. Oh, God. Okay, we'll be here all day again. <laughs> I can't think of anybody. Uh, okay, this isn't... Okay, this is just in film or TV or anything. Because Blanche from the Golden Girls, like the OG Grandma Slut. Mm, that's a good yeah. one. What about Grandpa Sluts? Mm, bad oh, Grandpa, uh, Robert De Niro. <laughs> what about Tiffany from Bride of Chucky? Does that count? She's a doll. Uh, she's a doll. <laughs> okay. But she is- was a woman. <laughs> All right, everybody, I think we need help with our grandma sluts. Yeah. So we're going to open this up to the listeners here. And grandma and, uh, <clears throat> I think, I think just what Heather came out of the gate with the best example. Yeah, like I kind of nailed it yeah. with Rebecca. Yeah. So like. True, true. All right, guys, when we come back, we are going to be doing Pillow Fight. So stay tuned. Nobody can compare with you. Birthday in January, so she got Aquarius. They say the pussy got mouths like Darius, but she look better than most chicks in her area. Shouty don't want to lame, she only like G. Only fucking with the thugs and the white tees. Birthday February, sign Pisces. Into Nouveau, a Long Island iced tea. Then right after January and February was a girl who was an Aries who always be smoking berry. Hair style show, but her stuff so hairy. Ass so fat, earrings canary. Now break it down with your friends, you a Taurus. I heard you just spit to a Benz from a Taurus. I see balloons and the women looking gorgeous. Somebody get down for me when you hit the chorus. Somebody in here is your birthday. It's your birthday. Somebody in here is your birthday. It's your birthday. Somebody in here is your birthday. It's your birthday. Everybody move like it's your birthday. Birthday? Mama dance on your birthday. Mama don't break it down on your birthday. Birthday? Birthday. 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 She looks so good, she got me acting like a finna die. The type of chick so thick she catch the other women now. Knew she was freaky when she said she was a Gemini. She wanna do something freaky with me, her friend and I. Know my speaker Spanish, I do not understand her, but I love the way she moving the fatty like she a dancer. Birthday in June, I'm trying to get cancer. Smoke up the room like I'm trying to get cancer. Shouty grown now, she so Leo. Only 19 on the G.O. like she 3 On the grind to be a big CEO. She the one taking me when I got to see my P.O. Her face is fine, but I got to let her know. She so fly down south like what a that's the type of body your baller wanna splurge for, and she derbs slow, cause she a Virgo. Somebody in here is your birthday. It's your birthday. Somebody in here is your birthday. It's your birthday. Somebody in here is your birthday. It's your birthday. Everybody move like it's your birthday. Come on. Birthday. 
yeah, she a Libra. Pussy so good that I could never leave her. I like the way she roll my cannabis sativa. Shout it, you bad. Here, take my visa. Kicking the extraordinary flow. She was original with full of swagger like a married hoe. I be the lyrical, I wanna stab her with my torpedo. She was on top of me, sticking my body cause she was a Scorpio. It was the moment when I could remember a Sagittarius. She was the first to let me touch her pubic area. We was young, I'm the one that made a cherry bust. Now that we grown, I still be in that hairy stuff. I'm the illest fucking rapper born. Showing love to a December dime piece cause she my favorite Capricorn. It's your be that, let me cut that cake. Come out the pants and let me cut that cake. Somebody. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. Everybody in here is your birthday. It's your birthday. Everybody move like it's your birthday. Come on. Birthday? Mama dance on your birthday. Mama don't break it down on your birthday. Birthday? Birthday. Birthday? Birthday. Birthday? Birthday. Birthday? And we are back with Pillow Fight. I don't think I'll ever not say it that way. <laughs> Don't but yeah, stop. Uh, don't stop. Rockefeller came to get down. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so this time on Pillow Fight, we are doing something we haven't done here, I guess, which is we picked randomly um, from our birth year. We all, all of us ladies had to choose a film that we had not seen from the year that we were born. So I have a feeling this is going to get rather interesting because there were some very interesting choices, <laughs> to say the uh, least. Yeah. Um, how should we do this one? Should we put them up against each other or should we kind of talk about each film and then decide which ones we should just put them in order? Yeah. How about if each of us say why, you know, why we picked the one that we picked? And our thoughts, then everybody else can give thoughts, and then we can write. That's them. a good idea. Yeah. yeah, I like that. All right. So should we go by the order that they came out? Sure. Let's <laughs> highlight how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, my birth year is 1976. Now, if you go to Letterboxd and you sort by year, horror genre, blah blah blah. You're going to find, it's hard to find a movie that you haven't seen. I mean, this is the year of Carrie, whatever, uh, like a million movies. So I had to go kind of deep dive. Uh, and some of them I couldn't even find. And a lot of them were foreign. And I wanted to kind of avoid that I, just for whatever reason. So I picked one just because I thought it looked cool for the cover called Mako, The Jaws of Death. Uh, yeah, so this movie... Um, is about a guy, it's Richard, I think you would say it, Jekyll, uh, who was also the naturalist in Grizzly, so he has experience with wild animals. Um, he is a guy who, who <coughs> developed, who got this medallion and developed like a psychokinetic link with sharks. Yeah. And then he does, uh, he, he gets vengeance. Uh, for people who do bad things to sharks. Um, it actually, it sounds really cheesy, but it, it was pretty much, I thought it was a good concept. It was directed by William Greffe, who also did uh, Sting of Death, which was about a killer jellyfish. So he had something about, I don't know, maybe he still had an aquarium set up and he wanted to use it. Um but I thought that this would have been a Jaws ripoff. Uh, apparently, he had the idea before Jaws, 
And then once Jaws came out, everybody was clamoring to make Jaws, you know, shark movies. And so he got funding. And and uh, so it, it really was an original idea um, that he had years and years before this. And then they kind of marketed it like a Jaws movie. Um, so I'm not going to fault it for that. Uh, what I will fault it for is um, it, it gets a little outlandish. We've got some uh, very very two-dimensional caricatures we've got uh the bar owner <laughs> who is just fat nasty has the trophy wife uh you know everybody is mean to sharks in this movie too um like everybody's got it out for sharks and it's really bizarre like i've, I've never seen so many people in one area who are just like down with sharks um but there is one, the cool thing about it, or one of the cool things that I really liked is in the bar, there's like a tank behind the bar and there's uh, some windows and the wife does this water show. They end up putting a shark in the water show, which is pretty cool, uh, except for they're really mean to the shark and they do stuff to make the shark mad. Um, and apparently, so the shark attacks the girl, kills her, but apparently that shark was supposed to be dead uh, like in, in real life, it was supposed to be a dead shark. And luckily they had pulled all its teeth. Uh, but apparently when it got in the tank, it came back to life. And so it actually did attack her, but it didn't have any teeth, thankfully. So her attack scene was actually kind of cool for very weird reasons. I'm sure there was a lot of animal abuse in this movie or whatever. But all in all, I found it I found it kind of charming and kind of uh, amusing. I think it really fell apart in the second half, though. But I stand by my decision. I stand by my choice. I got to disagree, Rebecca. I liked the second half. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I liked how they, um, like, on the promotional poster for it, it says, Sheer Terror, filmed without the benefit of cages, oh. mechanical oh. sharks, or other protective devices. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I posted for it a lot, and um, I too also like the cage in the bar. Like, I would go like all the time if that was something that was real here. You know, yeah, I, think I thought it was really cool. That, um, yeah, I thought I, like honestly, I watched this one first out of all of them because I thought I was gonna like it the least, to be honest. And um, I actually ended up having a good time with it. Um, which was surprising. Um, I fucking love the ending to where he just like plunges to his own fucking death. <laughs> <laughs> and and he, he tells them he's coming home. <laughs> yes. Fucking extra, but he just plunges to his own death and then they just eat it. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I don't know. And I mean, you can definitely tell it's like a product of the 70s. Um, with like the porno kind of music going on in the background. Um, I don't know if that was necessarily like fitting for the film, but I mean, I also didn't really understand the relationship between him and the dude's wife because like, like she almost gets like, you know, take advantage. She almost like literally gets raped and he's like, she's like, can you please take me home? Like, so he's not like a good guy by any stretch of the imagination like he doesn't want to take her home she's like am I supposed to walk home and so like I, I felt like the that was like really confusing because then like in the next scene she's like kissing him on the mouth 
So yeah, and it seemed like she was super like she thought it was cool what he was doing, and then she suddenly turned like you weirdo. Yeah, like it, like it wasn't a cohe- ugh, cohesive story, <laughs> no. but but the fact that he plunged to his own death made it all the well more worth it for me. So that was the price of admission for me. So that's how I feel about the movie. Anybody else? <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was actually really badass. It was about a man who could communicate telepathically with sharks. So anything that has to do with psychic abilities, sign me up. I love that trope within movies. And there have actually been a lot of sea creatures that have been mistreated in the ocean. And I believe that if people could telepathically communicate with animals and sea creatures, I think we could learn to understand them better. So I loved the premise of this movie. And I also thought that it was very bittersweet. It's almost like, in a way, he was given this amazing gift, but at the same time was sort of abusing it, and the consequences of that catch up to him eventually. And for this being filmed in 1976, the underwater scenes were very beautifully shot, and if those sharks were real, I, I think that's what it like is advertised on the the cover. That's even more amazing that they were able to swim alongside the sharks and film the scenes in the way that they did. Um, what I thought the film lacked was more conflict. I felt that the story was filled with a lot of exposition. And so because of the lack of conflict, that's why I think it felt a little slower. But it would have been cool to actually hear what the sharks were saying to him. And I think that would have been very effective for the film if it was done right. But yeah, I thought it was a fun film and I enjoyed it too. Yeah, I kind of, I mean, I joked in the chat that I fell asleep twice trying to watch this. Um, It's a little disjointed for me because like I would watch a little bit then I would, I would be, I felt like I was falling asleep, so I would pause it, so, because I hate when I fall asleep watching a movie, and then I have no idea where I was, so I would pause it, fall asleep, then the next day I try to watch it from where I left off, which was probably like 40, nah, it was like 30 minutes into it, maybe, and then I watched a little bit more, fell asleep again, and then I finished it off, um, the next night, but I'm kind of the same way. I feel like it got more interesting towards the end of the film in the second half than the uh, first half. Um, I think it might just be the, you know, I don't think it was necessarily boring. All right. Well, Heather, what did you think about Mako, The Jaws of Death? I don't know if I have too much else to add that hasn't already been said. The only thing, I have such a hard time watching 70 films. I hate the way animals are treated in them. I have to remind myself it was a different time. But the point where she comes back and she's like, one of your friends almost raped me as she's like pouring a sherry. And he's like, meh, that made me angry too. This whole movie just <laughs> made me fucking mad. But if I take all my social fucking warrior hat off, um, social justice warrior hat off, um, I did enjoy the the conversation between her and him at the uh, at his house where he kind of lifts up the thing and you see the sharks. And I do like how he kind of freed the shark at the beginning and then kills everyone on the boat. I, I thought it was an interesting film. I just think if they had flushed out the plot a little bit better, it could have been better. Um, 
it had the potential with the whole telepathic communication with the sharks, um, a little bit about eco-conservation, which was kind of a theme in some 70 films, uh, was there. And I just wish that it got pushed further. And much like you ladies, I love the bar scene with the underwater water show that the wife would give. I thought that was really cool. Um, something different. Uh, yeah, like it didn't. I can see why Carly fell asleep. Like, as I was watching it, I was like, yeah, I get this. This is not, like, an overly riveting movie. It is a little bit of a chore to get through. But it's a 70s film, and it's a low-budget 70s film. So for what it was, it was fine. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite things was Rebecca and Carly talking shit in our chat to each other about their yes. movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So I am very curious of where Carly stands on how she feels about this movie. <laughs> yeah, um, as I said in the chat, I did fall asleep twice trying to get through it. Um, now, I, I also met, you know, to be fair, I think I was just, I've been working a lot, as I mentioned earlier, and um, working kind of late, so I haven't been watching a lot of films, and I've been falling asleep very early, so I think that kind of played a role, too. I don't think it was just that the movie bored me to sleep, but um, I will say, like, once I, on my third attempt to finish it off, uh, the final, you know, like, 45, I forget how long this movie even is, but, like, you know, the final 45 minutes or so, I did get more into it than I was in the first half. I think there was just, like, a lot more talking and attempts to build the story in the first half that was kind of... And the the way people talked in the 70s was that very, like, proper... Um, you could just tell them... Yeah, you could just tell the movie's old way of talking, and um, movies were a little, little more dialogue-heavy, so if you're tired and you're watching that, you're not really going to be in the mood, and I feel like it kind of picks up a little more in the second half. Um, I'm definitely with Heather, though. I think it had potential to be this really unique and cool film, but I think it could have been fleshed out a little better. I almost feel like, I don't know, maybe... It didn't have to be longer necessarily, but they could have just did something more with the story to make it a little bit more cohesive. But I did have fun with it. I thought it was actually creepy whenever he's all decked out in his, you know, I scuba, scuba diving gear, I guess you could say. And uh, like the beginning when he kills all those people and they're like, who the heck are you? And he just kind of emerges. And then at the end you have another scene sort of like that. I, I like that stuff. I thought it was rather creepy. Uh, the underwater scenes are shot very well. Um, and I hate to see animals be mistreated. So I thought that was kind of a unique concept as well. Cause I, I assumed this was going to be a bad jaws rip off kind of like Rebecca was saying that she kind of thought going into it and, um, it more so, you know, you kind of feel bad for the shark rather than seeing it as, like, this evil being. And I, I think it's cool that he has this tele telepathy with them, but I just feel like something's kind of missing from the film and uh, it comes off as a little silly at times. Um, I probably wouldn't watch it again, but it was okay. Like, it turned out, I was like, okay, this isn't too bad. Like, once, because I was, I, again, I was... I keep referencing other people, but I was like Lacey, where I was not looking forward to watching this one the most, and it wasn't that horrible, though. So, it was an okay pick, Rebecca. It was okay. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, uh, let's move on. That's Mako, the Jaws of Death. We'll uh, rank that here later. Um, I believe, Heather, you are next. Oh, me. Nice. Um, So I was, the reason why I chose this film was because Brandon Orlick from Exploding Heads Movie Podcast and I are good friends. And I told him I we were doing this, and I was like, man, I just don't know what to watch from 1983 that I haven't seen. And he's like, well, I've been telling you to watch Psycho 2 forever, and that's from 1983. And I was like, fuck, yeah, why not? And man, was I happy. I personally think this was the best film. Um, but I, I had no idea what to expect. I don't know. Had any of you seen Psycho 2, or was it a first-time watch for everybody here? I'd seen it. I've seen it. First time. Months. It was first okay. time for me. <laughs> uh, okay. I feel like I had seen it, but I didn't, like, remember it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so I... Watch. So it was a first time kind of watch for you. Well, it was a definitely first time watch for me, and I fucking loved it. I felt so bad for Norman throughout this. Like, even at the beginning when he's released, I think they do a good job of setting the stage of, you know... <sighs> He's been he's been reformed. He's you know, I'm assuming he's on medication. I wish they kind of went into that a little bit more. But it's the 80s. So if that was now, they would have talked about the drugs he was on and all that other stuff. But I really felt sorry for him throughout this entire thing. I really felt like he was trying to get his shit together and just live a normal life. And people were not letting him do it, specifically the two women. And I understood the reasoning why. They were so upset, especially that they're, you know, the, for the woman, her sister had been killed by him, you know, whatever, 30 years ago or whatnot. And I get that. Um, but it was really cruel what they did. Um, faking notes from his mom, her dressing up like the one young lady dressing up like his mom and then tricking him that she would come stay at the house. And I I found that really, really mean. And I really thought Anthony Perkins did a really great job of you develop sympathy for him. You have a level, I think, of empathy for him. And at the end of it, where it all comes fucking crashing down, I was like, fuck, he was so close. And then it just all falls apart. And for a two-hour film, I felt it, every scene had a purpose. I enjoyed the relationship building that occurred between the characters. I enjoyed the diner scenes. I enjoyed the scenes with the knives and, like... (laughs) Part where she's like, do you have a knife to cut a sandwich? And she's like, oh, I don't have any cutlery because he's not supposed to be around knives. I thought it was extremely clever and a well-done film. And it made me sad at the end that he had gone back into a psychosis of thinking that his mother was still alive. And then that whole thing with his actual birth mother coming back and the woman that raised him not being his mother. But and that kind of lost me. I thought it was kind of shoved in at the end and unnecessary. But overall... I really, really enjoyed the film. Nikki? Yeah, this was a first-time watch for me, and I I enjoyed it. Um, the messaging felt very similar to that of the film The Lodge. I don't know if you've seen that, but it reflects a lot on mental illness and how um, it's important not to... But to be educated around those things, especially at a very young age. But I, I actually don't really understand the hype around this one. Like every time I've heard people talk about Psycho 2 um, saying it's a very brilliant film, I, I actually just thought it was okay. I 
I think I went into it expecting a lot more. So it was kind of hyped up in my mind. But for me, it came down to like all the things that I didn't really find plausible. So after 22 years, Norman Bates is released from a mental institution and they, the court basically deemed him to be mentally sound. And I think that does go in line with how the justice system kind of lets people off the hook pretty easy. I think that that was epitomized well in the film. Um, but something about it just wasn't plausible to me while watching the film because it's like one hour later or like one day after he, he leaves, he's, you know, he's having these delusions already. So it was like, they didn't really check into that. So I I do think that might be a reflection on the justice system itself and that I can get behind. Um, and one could probably argue that it was also his environment because he, he immediately goes to live in his own house again. And it just didn't really make sense to me that he didn't have like a social worker with him to help him get more acclimated. They're just like, yep, go off, do it on your own. Um, the one guy that was working with him, he told him not to go live in his house, but Norman does it anyway. I just didn't really buy that they would let him go live in the house after having been institutionalized for 22 years. And then one day after he's released from the mental institution, he invites Mary to come stay at his motel. And he had been locked away for 22 years for killing women. He wasn't actually convicted of the crime, but it that didn't seem plausible to me as well when everyone in the town knew what he had been locked away for. And this was my thought process before I knew the big plot twist. So in the beginning of the film, Lila, who you find out later is Mary's mother, she's the woman in the beginning who is outraged at Norman's release. And she's so pissed off about it that she curses her daughter to help her make Norman go insane again. She's outraged back on the streets. It wasn't plausible to me because she doesn't care that Norman could potentially kill her own daughter. So that didn't add up for me. And just the plan that they concocted, like I thought for sake of the movie, it was a very well thought out plot. Um, But like my rational mind just couldn't wrap around like how things were playing out. And at the ending, I too thought it was unnecessary for um, the whole plot twist with Mrs. Bates's sister. Um, I kind of felt that that took away from the story. But um, overall, I found it to be middle of the road. Um, I didn't understand the hype. Um, Maybe a rewatch would make me feel differently. Carly. Yeah, so I have actually seen this film many a times. Um, I'm a big fan of the Psycho, all four of the Psycho films. So um, it, it's kind of one that I grew up watching along with part one and part three, which I recommend Heather and Nikki, you guys should definitely check out part three if you have not, because uh, that um, there is continuity and um, it's just, it's it's a little more fun than part two like it, it's not as like serious toned and stuff like that but it's it, it it's just a blast of a film that's actually my favorite one 
but anyway, Psycho 2, um, you know, this is, I was happy when Heather picked this because it gave me an excuse to watch it again. You know, it's one <laughs> that I grew up with and I was like, yay. And I immediately like popped that one on first and foremost with out of all of these. So, and um, yeah, when I was like, when I was a kid and watched this, it actually really, I remember watching it for the first time and I was super creeped out by it. Um, Just his delusions when he first gets to the house and he like sees his mother's arm fall and you know is imagining him poisoning her and then uh just him getting those notes I was like what the hell and uh all this stuff now obviously once you watch the movie once you know the twists and turns and stuff and it doesn't have that same effect but that used to really creep me out and I think this movie is held in great regard because it came out in the 80s where every film coming out was like cheesy beyond belief and they were all slashers and uh they could have easily made this like that like a ridiculous like Norman Bates could sound he's wacky and goofy but instead they kind of took this really serious tone with it and uh tried to keep it grounded now I do agree with the stuff Nikki has to say, uh, it's not overly plausible. One thing I, in recent time I've thought about, it's not very plausible that that motel would have even stayed in business all these years anyway, because they were struggling back in the 60s. And it's like, so you kept this place up and running while this guy was in this institution and you got like a scumbag kind of running the place. It just all kind of seems kind of strange to me with that and then yeah le- leaving him in that house um the guy who drops him, his therapist or whoever that is who drops him off does make mention like oh I wish they didn't cut the budget for a social worker so that one could come and be with you so it kind of explains that away but at the same time it's like it's either way it's not a good idea to let this guy live here so I do agree with that stuff um the ending I also used to think like what the hell but um you know, you kind of have to watch the whole franchise to get more out of that. But it is a little bit forced, but it does have it does kind of leave you with one of the most iconic images ever for me, which uh, that image of him standing outside the hotel with her in the window and the blue sky and the clouds going by is one of my favorites in the world. Um, I, I just love it. I have a poster of that in my house and that's kind of like what I have a tattoo based on so um yeah Psycho 2 I think it's a great film uh another thing you know Anthony Perkins and Meg Tilly actually they ended up not getting along for the last half of filming this film so you kind of you know not only is there tension from the characters are playing, but they actually hated each other in real life. So that I always thought that was rather interesting once I learned that fact. But I think it's a great movie. Um, like I said, I do like part three a little better. I have more fun with that one. I think this one's a little more trying to be serious, where part three kind of lets loose a little bit more. And Anthony Perkins is just like completely wacky and over the top in part three. And I, I just love it. But uh, I think this is a solid, solid pick, and I'm glad Heather picked this, and I'm glad, uh, you know, she got to watch it for the first time, and Nikki as well, because uh, I think, yeah, y'all, I think everyone should watch these sequels. I think Psycho is kind of a franchise that people forget about that it's a franchise. They only think about that first movie, so, you know, I recommend the whole thing to everybody. 
So yeah, that was my blowing section session. Well, that and uh, Anthony Perkins is your man. <laughs> so right. Yes. <laughs> he is attractive. <laughs> so I would expect yes. nothing less from you, Carly. All right, Rebecca. Um, yeah, just to, to wrap up what everybody said, I, I actually really like this movie. Um, I think that part of the reason why it is held in esteem is now we have all these reboots and reimaginings and blah, 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 movies that even came out 10 years ago. So that idea of having a sequel to a movie 22 years later is not anything new to us. But back then it would have been um, in 22 years was a lot longer <laughs> back then than it is now. You know, like if they made a sequel to something that came out in 2000 right now, we wouldn't even think anything of it. But you're talking about a movie that was a classic, a movie that really essentially started a whole subgenre, um, you know, by one of the greatest directors. It was in black and white. Now we've gotten to color. So we have that as well. So probably, you know, all these sequels were coming out at that point in time. Anything that you made in the early 80s, if it didn't have a sequel, it just was shit. Um, so it was probably like, well, everybody's making sequels. Let's make a sequel. And I'm sure everybody anticipated it being cheesy. Uh, you don't have Hitchcock anymore. So there's that. Um, where are they going to go with this? And it ended up being a legit movie. Um, I think it's filmed well. I mean, they still had the original house, which is one of the great things about the Psycho franchise is that the house is intact um, for the whole, all the movies. And um, yeah, I was, I thought it was a little weird that Lila let her daughter be the, basically the bait, but they do throw in one line where she says something about, uh, yeah, you know, she's, uh, you know, in school with a psychiatry major or something like that. And so you could see where she's like wanting to study him. Um, but I think they probably could have fleshed that out a little better uh, because she also felt sympathy for him. She's like, hey, he's innocent, mom. Leave him alone. Whatever. Um, but no, I, I enjoy this movie. I feel so sorry for him because he really was reformed. I mean, he he did the work and he paid his dues only for these two bitches just to rip it all apart. And um, I find that really sad, really tragic. But all in all, I really dig this movie. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on the whole sequel thing. Like, this is... Um, you know, obviously established character at this point of Norman Bates. So it's definitely interesting to see what would happen to him, you know, 22 later, 22 years later. I don't even know if that made sense. Uh, but the fact that he is like reformed and it is the 80s and it is such a different time that we live in now, it is probably more plausible that some of these things happen in this movie in 1983 than they would happen in 2022. Um, so I can get behind that just because, hey, that's when it came out. Um, as for the whole plot of, you know, his real birth mother, I actually like it because 
it gave you more backstory of like who was killing people in it because it didn't really make sense for the other two. Um, I thought that all tied in really nicely. And the fact that he just was like, fuck you, I never needed a mother and just hits her in the head with a fucking shovel. Um, yeah, I really dug that element of it. Um, I like the psychological warfare that these two horrible women, it poses a good question that um, are they any better than he is? You know, um, I, I liked that element. Um, it did feel a little long at times, um, but overall I, I thoroughly did enjoy the, the premise and um, I thought it was a good follow-up to, it wasn't the same film that we had seen with Psycho. I liked what they did with the characters and I liked that um, the imagery, like I feel like it kept tonally with, um, you know, with the knife and everything like that with the original Psycho. Um, I also like when he first gets out and he's going to give a room and he goes to look at room number one. He's like, no, I can't do that room. And I like it, it just all felt really well thought out and true to who he was um, of somebody who had been reformed. So, yeah, I definitely dug it. I liked the psychological aspect of it. And I even liked, you know, the birth mother just because we get that fucking shovel scene. So, um, yeah, I overall um, solid pick. Um, it's the only sequel one on this list, so that makes it an interesting choice. Um, so we shall see if that will play a factor into where I rank it, um, just based off of all the other films are standalone. So uh, we shall see. All right. Nikki, you up? Yeah, so I chose the 1984 film Scream for Help, and this was also written by Tom Holland. So when I picked this film, I <laughs> this was seriously one of the most extra films I've ever seen in my life, and I think this was the universe telling me to stop taking things so seriously, because I, I, I'm definitely somebody who likes to dig deep into film and analyze them, and this is one of those films much like Terror Train, you you can't really do that well. This this is just a film that you you're supposed to sit back and enjoy and just just watch it to to watch it, you know. But the film follows this young girl named Christy, who finds out that her stepfather Paul is trying to murder both her and her mother for money, and she keeps trying to tell people about this, and no one believes her. And you definitely see traces of Tom Holland's writing in this story, because much like in Fright Night, no one believes Charlie that a vampire lives next door to him. So the whole no one believes her or no one believes them is very prevalent throughout the story. One of the best parts about the film is that it has some of the most upbeat music in a horror thriller that I have ever heard. And I think that set it apart from other films like it during the 80s. So if you find that you don't like this film while you're watching it, the music alone should put a smile on your face. Um, the car scene when Christy and Josh go to follow Paul is probably one of the most intense scenes throughout the, the film. And it's where 
the brakes in her car are have been tampered with and it's just like this uneased feeling that that Paul has done it and when you first meet him you're like yeah this guy definitely wants this family's money so it it just kind of progresses from the intense scenes where he's like putting gas or he he's he's leaking gas into the house and he's like setting up traps to have the the mother trip down the stairs it's just a quirky little horror comedy and the dialogue is actually pretty funny one of which there's a scene where christy says to josh josh i don't want to hurt you but i don't want to sleep with you again to be honest i don't want to sleep with anyone ever again and then she just like walks away from him and this was followed by the scene where she actually had lost her virginity to him. And that happened to be her best friend, Janie's boyfriend, before Christie's stepfather killed Janie in a hit and run. So it has this very like soap opera dramatic vibe to it that is pretty fun. And and the dialogue definitely adds to the story. And I'm I'm somebody who does get behind making fun of a lot of different dialogue if it's presented in a certain way. Um, And one of the characters' names actually is Lacey. So if that doesn't make you like this film, I don't know what will. But overall, I really, uh, I I thought it was entertaining and fun. That's fucked up. He's like the worst character in the fucking (laughs) (laughs) His name is Lacey! Yeah, but he's literally the worst fucking character in the movie. what did you think of Scream for Help? Yeah, um, this one was interesting because when Nikki posted it, um, in my head I'm thinking like, huh, that title sounds familiar and it looks familiar. And I couldn't think of like why I knew it because I was like, I've never seen this movie. And I thought it might have been one. I bought a bunch of uh, DVDs at this convention Um last year that I went to in Gettysburg and I thought, Oh, maybe that's one of the ones I bought on DVD. Cause a lot of them had a few of them had the title just scream something on them. And I was like, no, I don't own this. So then I started watching it and literally as soon as I put it on and uh, I, I didn't read the synopsis or anything, but I was like, Oh my God, this is the movie I saw at the drive-in also last year. Um, one of the overnight, I forget which one it even was, but it was one of the all night drive-ins JP. And I always, go to every year and I think it was the last feature of the night and I was falling in and out of sleep watching it I was trying not to because I hate to fall asleep at those drive-ins obviously I feel like I'm wasting my experience but I just was really tired and I would like wake up every once in a while and get a glimpse of it and JP just kept saying this this movie's really fucking weird and I was like yeah it looks like like just I remembered bits and pieces of it um I paid attention at the beginning and then I kind of woke up a little bit in the middle and then I missed like the entire ending for the most part. But uh, it's, it's an interesting movie. You know, it looks like it's going to be a total, uh, a typical 80s slasher based on the title and the cover art and uh, even the synopsis as well, but it's really plays more like a thriller and um you know, I always, uh, I, it frustrates me so much when people don't believe 
a character. That plot line just drives me crazy. And that's what you get throughout this film, obviously. And then obviously the character always turns out to be correct. And uh, so this movie is definitely a frustrating watch for me. The acting in it is uh, very, I think <laughs> Nikki kind of like so almost soap opera-y at times. And I, I like that sex scene actually where she loses her virginity and she's like, in agonizing pain and she's like it just hurts so bad i'm like you know that's actually realistic though unlike all these other movies that make sex look like this wonderful thing for the first time it's not like that it does hurt really bad and i i found that i was like this is the most like realistic portrayal of first time sex i've ever seen but should have tried then, the driver you're right yeah <laughs> first <laughs> if you can know if you can master that i think you can master anything um but it's it's a fun film. I will say that it's very has such a unique vibe to it. Uh, you know, like with the music and like I said, the acting and the dialogue. It's, I I think that scene's funny where her love interest comes to the door when they are in deep shit, and it's just in her head. She's like, "Oh, please see that I'm lying," and then she's like, <laughs> "He does. He does see it." And it's all just, like, in her head. I'm like, this is so goofy. But <laughs> it's a fun time. You know, this is another one where I'm like, I don't think I would pop this on every day of my life. Because um, it is more thriller. Um, if it was more focused on, like, slasher elements, I think I would have a little more fun with it. But as that was an interesting one to see the drive. And I wish I would have been awake the whole time. And watching it this time around actually paying attention to the whole thing. I was just like, this is, this is something else. But, um, you know, so I, it was a good pick, Nikki. It was, um, it was something. (laughs) (laughs) That it was. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, so Tom Holland did psycho too, and he did this one a year later. So, um, it's kind of funny to see like that it kind of has like a similar theme of like not believing and like things being set up like you know kind of in that capacity of like the mental anguish that's going on um I totally thought for some reason that it wasn't going to actually be the stepdad I thought it was just going to be a creep who cheats on her mom but I thought it was going to be the boyfriend because literally like he's there every fucking time something has happened to her. And um, like, um, like he fucked her best friend and got her pregnant and then she got run over. And then literally that same night he's <laughs> taking this bitch's virginity. So, like, <laughs> like, he's the villain. Like, um, I, I was convinced there for a moment um but then obviously it really is what's happening and what she thought and i don't know how many times that mom got thrown around in that fucking wheelchair oh my god <laughs> <laughs> like i literally felt bad for her but she's also kind of like one of just those like dumb women who obviously just likes to like be abused by men or something that's what it felt like in this capacity like he was just so attractive to her or something but he was like and she's not even an ugly woman by any means i felt so bad he's like it Mm -hmm. made me sick to even touch you i'm like dude you don't have to be you don't have to cut that deep and his reasoning was because she was rich and they would drive around town in a nice car like (laughs) like this was his reasoning for her like 10 year old 
cold reasoning. <laughs> this, this felt like um, like an after school special. <laughs> and um, like, I mean, Chrissy, um, is it Christy? Christy gets her own fucking theme song at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so like, Christy. Like, um, I don't know. Like, it was fun. Um, it's definitely <laughs> ridiculous, but um i i had a lot of fun i laughed a lot like especially when she's getting thrown around in that wheelchair i know that's probably not supposed to be funny but and then when the bitch goes downstairs and like it's been foreshadowed throughout the whole movie that somebody's gonna get like electrocuted and when the bitch goes down and she's like oh it almost feels cartoonish at times um but yeah um I don't know. Overall, it, it is a it is a fun watch. I can say that. Um, it's not something that um, I was anticipating, but um, I would definitely throw it on again just to, for laughs, for sure. What about you, Heather? Heather, I think you hit mute and then un. Or- I know it went unmute. I know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kept like popping up and I know I was like, hmm. it was it was not working. Uh, much like the movie didn't work. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the movie was fine. I actually my favorite line is I thought Nikki was gonna say it where she said something like <laughs> I only I only used you to pop my cherry. Yes, the dialogue. Oh my god! And then like, there's a part where the mom and the daughter are in the basement, and they tell her to pee on the floor. She's like, "That won't make sense if you killed us in our bedrooms." I'm like, "Oh well, she has a fucking point, actually. The cops would look for shit like that." And yeah, um, this was a fun movie. I I kind of agree with what everyone else has said. I I went in like halfway through. I was like, "What the fuck? Like, what is going on here?" <laughs> Even the opening dialogue where she's like, "I'm writing this down in case something happens, and no one believes me," and but it was it was entertaining and so much bush and so many like blatant sex scenes in this film <laughs> of her being a creeping. There was a lot of creeping going on this episode. There was a lot of peeping Thomas shit that went on in some of our movies this episode. But um, I I honestly think that dialogue with her and the boyfriend at the door was I agree with you, Nikki. That was some of the funniest shit I've ever watched. Like I was just I was dying, like literally dying of laughter. Um. And I didn't mind the plot of like this guy had been pissed off with her for years and got rid of the dad and moved in and basically won the mom over and then was banging the woman who said that it was her brother that lived with her, but it was really her husband. Like it was so soap opery and it was fun. It was a fun little film. I'm not surprised that I haven't seen it. And I don't I don't know if I would watch it again anytime soon, but I would cover it on a, another podcast if someone wanted to. Um, I think it's, you know, easy and palatable enough to watch. And now that I've seen it once, I could do other things and have it play on in the background and not really miss anything. Um, so, yeah. All right, Rebecca. I had a super good time with this as well. Uh, my kiddo sat down and watched it with me and it, you know, we could kind of riff tracks it the whole time. Um, I don't know, is it supposed to be funny? Cause I really couldn't tell most of the time if it was supposed to be funny or not, but it was. <laughs> um, and, and the woman getting thrown down the stairs, it was like, when you watch a comedy where the guy like gets hit by a car and then he gets out of the hospital and he's still like in a cast and then he's like, he's waving to somebody gets hit by a car again. Like 
adding insult to injury that cracked me up. Um, I thought when once it started and she started doing the inner dialogue, I thought for sure this was a made for TV movie. I looked it up like two or three times. I'm like, no, this is not a made for TV movie. It really plays out like a made for TV movie with boobs. Um, that's about the only thing that makes it not made for TV. Um, it felt like they were trying to do the stepfather with a twist. Um, but I would love to do this as a drunken commentary, actually. It, it was a very, very entertaining film. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that means I'm up. Um, <clears throat> my year was obviously 1987. And this one, uh, I was teetering between choosing Dolls the gate or this one because i haven't seen any of those um but for some reason i'd seen this one pop up a lot and it has you know agent del cooper in it um so i'm a big fan of kyle so and this was was the highest one rated on imbd so i was like all right so this obviously must be a solid pick and um, I don't know how horror-esque this actually is. Um, it definitely is more, I think, leans on the sci-fi action element. But um, yeah, it's The Hidden. And <laughs> there are several movies called The Hidden. Um, the first time I actually heard about this film was um, I had posted that I was watching The Hidden from the one with The Scarred Card, which is a really, really good movie. I recommend checking that one out if you guys haven't. Um, but uh, this popped up, it, like, you know how Facebook, sometimes when you say watching, I typed in the hidden and <laughs> this was the movie that popped up and not the actual one that I was watching at the time a few years back. So, um, somebody was like, yeah, this is a really good movie. I was like, that's not the fucking movie I'm watching. So, um, it obviously just makes sense for me to pick it for this one. Um, this is like the most extra fucking movie ever as well. Um, uh, the things that I liked about it, um, it has a little bit, like, this is definitely, this feels like a guy's movie in a lot of ways, um, because it has, like, it feels like a cross between They Live, The Thing, and Men in Black, like, if they were to have a baby, I feel like this would be that movie. Um, there was a lot of fun to be had. I like the fact that like it's switching the the parasite is switching from body to body and like the stiffness that all the actors played while they have this parasite in them. I think they all did a good job of kind of keeping that mannerism going. Um, I didn't really care about like the backstory with the the cop and you know his daughter being special. I feel like that was almost like a drop plot point at times, but. Um, I like the fact that this parasite loved loud music, cars, guns. Um, I knew that blowtorch was going to come back in a big, bad way. Um, blowtorches are just apparently something that keeps happening in movies that I've been watching lately. So um, that's always fun. Or a flamethrower, flamethrower, or whatever it is. Um, it, you also get a grenade in this one, a fun little jail scene. Um, you get the stripper that is like the stiffest stripper in the world. Um, I don't know, like, uh, it, it just kind of one of those fun, like, little movies that, um, it, you don't have to, like, it's definitely not something that you can shut your mind off and watch. I appreciated, um, the practical effects in this. Um, I like the fact that 
the bodies still die, but the parasite is what's keeping it going. So like it just has to keep transforming the bodies into different bodies. Um, overall, it was a fun pick. It's probably not like my favorite, even though this was my pick. I'm just not like a huge sci-fi person, but um, there was some fun to be had for sure. Heather? Yeah, I'm not a big sci-fi person either. I think you're right. This is a very much a dude's movie, and I feel like came out in 1987 because it was writing the sci-fi they live and all that other shit. And I got to say, like, I actually really enjoyed the banner between the FBI agent or the cop, sorry, and the quote unquote FBI agent. Uh, I thought it was pretty clever. I, I enjoyed when he <laughs> goes back to their house for dinner and they have the most awkward dinner conversation ever at the table. Uh, I really did think that scene was was entertaining. And I enjoyed the parasite fucking shit up in the dealership and that they're doing fucking blow. Did yes. anyone not get a kick out of the fact that he's buying a car <laughs> and they're doing fucking lines in the dealership? Oh, my God. It's to the be, 80s. Man, to like, be. You can have more if you want. Man, the 80s seemed like it was the best time to be a fucking early 20s adult. Um, right. <laughs> Right, honestly, honestly. And then they like they throw the parasite guy off the fucking lawn and he comes back. And I agree, Lacey. Strip like stiffest stripper in the entire planet. Like okay. it was I don't know if they just got a model and they were like, okay, just look hot the entire time and that's what they did with her. But it was a fun little film. Like I it was definitely more sci-fi, you know, cop kind of buddy thriller film, but I, I really did enjoy it and I I didn't quite get how he brought him back at the end. Like, did With he sacrifice himself? Dust. <laughs> was it like him sacrificing himself so the yes. other guy could come back? Was that what that? Okay. I, um, I mean, I think. I mean, I only yeah. watched it one time, but that's what I took out of it. That's okay. So that's the vibe I had. I thought that was a sweet little ending, um, especially when you find out that you know this alien parasite, whatever, has lost his his own family and you know ideally he could be reunited with them but it was an easy watch it was an easy 1987 watch the dialogue was fine enough the acting was fine enough um i had a, i had a good time i enjoyed like the chase scenes i enjoyed the parasite a lot the fast cars the the blowtorch all that shit i thought it was awesome and doing blow in a car dealership with the highlight for me that you're buying a fucking car and doing lines like honestly like that was <laughs> I thought that was like the funniest shit so yeah i enjoyed it good times good times yeah, I also have to say I do like the fact that it is a Bob Shea film and you get the lovely uh, Lynn Shea as well, who is also Magda from uh, There's Something <laughs> So fun little play in that. Uh, Rebecca, what did you think? Uh, I watched this a couple years ago for a podcast um, and I didn't have high hopes for it because I, too, am not into sci-fi at all. Um, and you know, I was like, okay, yeah, okay, Agent Cooper's in it, I can handle it or whatever. I actually enjoyed it when I watched it. Um, this time I probably didn't enjoy it as much because, yeah, like you guys said, it is really a dude movie. Um, and it does still have so much of that sci-fi that I'm just not into. But, I mean, but all in all, I mean, it's a solid flick in general. But I wish you'd pick Dolls because Dolls rocks. <laughs> I'd like to watch that one too. That was one of my favorites when I was a kid. Maybe that could be a feature sometime. Yes. Well, maybe that'll be our next feature. Whoa. Maybe. <laughs> All right, Carly. 
Um, I actually, with this one, it was the most shocking out of all the picks here because it was next to Mako. It was probably the other one I was dreading because I looked it up briefly, saw it was sci-fi, and then I saw images of people holding up guns, and I was like, oh god, it's going to be action too, and I'm going to hate this. It's going to be really hard for me to pay attention to. I'm going to have to wing it. But I actually had a lot of fun with this movie. Um, I like the whole body, I guess, body snatching element to it. I think um, Lacey nailed it with it's kind of like the thing and they live mixed together in a way as well as like, you know, a bunch of other films in that regard, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers or whatever. But um, I I just, I I don't know. I had a really good time with it. And um, I think, again, like Lacey said, I think that the characters did a good job of maintaining that sort of robotic personality as this uh, disgusting looking uh, life form went into each of them. And, um, you know, it didn't come off as like it, it. They were very consistent with it, so that made it work very well. And um, it is definitely a dude film. I could see. Uh, I meant to ask JP if he's ever seen this. I don't know if he would like it or not. So I'm curious if he has watched it. But uh, I like. Like I just had a lot of fun. I like the main guy, the um, quote unquote FBI agents, and uh, his personality almost reminds me of. For some reason, it reminds me of Jeffrey Combs and Reanimator a little bit. Um, it just is kind of weird, off-putting. You could tell something's weird about him, uh, way of being. And it does come off as funny at times, but I like it. And to me, I don't know, the ending to me, I took that as he put his life into that dude's body. And it's like that dude's not going to be the same person. And that's why the daughter is kind of like weirded out. Cause like, she knows that's not really her dad. And I kind of thought that was like a little unsettling in a way. Cause it's like, that's not really the guy that you think he is. And he's going to be just like this sort of alien type creature for the rest of his life. So I kind of thought it was, do you think that like he transformed his personality into him? Like, see, yeah. I, as he was sacrificing like himself but now I'm kind of thinking differently <laughs> yeah I, see <laughs> I took it as to almost have family life again so maybe you're right that's what I took it as because like earlier in the film he's like so like intrigued by his daughter and obviously his daughter was killed so he's like really almost a jealousy where he or envious like he misses that life so I I took it as like a dark type of ending where he's like hell yeah now I get a wife and a daughter again but maybe that's just me I mean I don't know um I don't really know what they were going for I kind of looked it up on Wikipedia and that didn't really answer my question just now but um either way though I had a lot of fun with this film um and I'm glad it was picked because I would not have watched this otherwise. It did not look like a movie I would like at all whatsoever. And I was shocked by what a good time I had. So I liked it. All right, Nikki. Yeah, the opening scene for this was very entertaining to me. The first 15 minutes was pretty action packed. And that's exactly like I how I like my movies to start off with, with a bang. Um, but after that, the film lost me. 
And I, too, am not a big fan of sci-fi alien movies. There are a few that I dig, but I think the alien genre loses me because I genuinely believe that aliens are real. And I feel like a lot of films misrepresent them. But there are some pretty funny scenes in this, though. And I liked how the alien jumped from human body to human body. And I liked how the alien loves loud music and carries around a boombox. And there were little unique moments like that, which I think gave the film some charm. This, much like Scream for Help, it felt like a made-for-TV vibe as well to me. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with made-for-TV, but this was marketed as a feature film. And it it did feel much like an episode of X-Files. So that's like what I kept thinking about as I was watching it. And with the ending... It was very vague. Sometimes that works for me. In this film, it didn't. There weren't really any real answers provided as to why this alien was here or why it was doing what it was. Like, there's a little bit, but just not enough that made me feel satisfied. So I I just thought this was okay. Well, all right. I think that's everyone for that. So, Carly, you're up. All right, fast forward 10 years into the future in the year 1997. Um, Which makes me feel fucking old, thank you. <laughs> if you feel old, think of how everyone else feels. Yeah, um, yeah, 1976 over here, bitch, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so 1997... Um, you know, to me, I don't think it's a very good year, if I'm being honest. Um you know, Lacey disagreed, and that's great, because, you know, I'm glad that you have movies that you like. But I also haven't seen, I've seen, like, the popular movies from that year, and that's kind of it. I've not really dug deep into the years, so I was like, what the hell am I going to pick? Because even the ones that I hadn't seen that were kind of popular, I was like, I don't really feel like watching that. Um, But I owned, uh, I, I happened to own Snow White's. Tales of Terror, which is what I went with on a very random triple pack that includes, I think it's Dark Man Part 2 and Firestarter Part 2. And then you have the Snow White movie. Uh, JP actually gave it to me a few years ago for Christmas or something. And um, yeah, so I was like, you know, this will give me a reason to finally watch the Snow White film, I've always been curious on it, but not curious enough to, you know, put it on the top of my radar. And it came out the year I was birthed. And, I mean, it's got Sigourney Weaver, so it's probably pretty good. I had heard decent things about it, and I'm always very fascinated by, uh, you know, the grim fairy tales, obviously, are darker toned anyway. But um, I like when they actually take that dark tone and make it the central theme like you kind of get with uh you know Hansel and Gretel there's been a lot of adaptations that are more um focused on horror so I you know I was excited to check this out and um it's got uh what Sigourney Weaver you got Sam Neill and you got uh Monica Kina which is interesting I don't think I've ever seen any of her other movies besides Freddy versus Jason so I was like oh okay I think this might have been like one of her first films she was pretty young in it and um it's a tale of Snow White but it's like told in a darker way you know you got uh 
she's kind of Monica Kina's character of Lily is uh, growing up. Her mother died tragically and uh, the father remarries uh, Sigourney Weaver's character. And, uh, you know, um, she's trying to get along. Uh, what's her name? Claudia in the movie, I think. Um, she's trying to get along with Lily and be nice to her. But Lily is very resentful and uh, misses her real mother and just, um, isn't really having it. So Claudia kind of becomes very jealous of her and decides to try to kill her ultimately. And that leads Lily to, uh, she kind of gets lost out in the woods uh, because the brother of Claudia is after her and um, she runs far into the woods. And then she happens upon these seven men and they are not like the cutesy little dwarfs that you get in Snow White. They're kind of, scary and uh some of them have bad intentions and stuff like that so i thought that was interesting i really didn't know what i was getting into when watching this or what like horror elements it would have and uh i like how it's kind of different where uh the guys are a little scary at first but then they end up growing to like her for the most part and uh they all sort of end up living together out there and then you still have uh Claudia plotting against her because she finds out she's not dead and um I think the look of her the witch uh when she does get like gruesome and old looking is really really frightening and uh unsettling so I think they did a good job with those effects um I like the way the story is told I like the use of the setting uh just very eerie you know in the woods and um just a very dark vibe, you know, could it, I think it could have maybe been a little darker. I, I wanted it to be more creepy and unsettling, I guess, but I think that they did well with what they had. I think it's obviously casted very well. And um, I enjoyed the take on the story overall. Again, you know, I probably wouldn't watch this again because these just aren't my favorite. It's not my favorite subgenre or anything like that. It's, um, it, you know, I, it was just something that I was curious on and wanted to check out for myself. But I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I enjoyed it more than I actually thought I was going to going into it. So, yeah, I'm curious what you guys think, because it was kind of a very random pick. Um, <clears throat> um, <laughs> Carly. Yes. I, I have to be honest with you. I fucking hated this movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, Thank you. I fucking hated it. Like, I was like, is this fucking over? I kept looking at the time <laughs> to see how it left. I was like, um, the, all right. So, <laughs> um, yes, Monica Keenan was also Abby on Dawson's Creek. So, um, which came out, um, the same year, I believe, or no, that came out in 98. So, um, she hadn't really been around at this time. So yeah. Um, for Monica Keenan, um, there were some moments that were like, okay to me, like the dark part that, um, made it like horror esque for me was the fact that, um, the brother didn't actually end up killing Snow White. He, I think he killed a wolf instead and brought back the heart and fucking Sigourney Weaver made it into a stew and was feeding it to Sam Neill. Um, so she's literally thinking she's feeding Snow White to her dad. So that was pretty fucked up. 
Um, I thought it was hilarious when Sigourney Weaver was just dragging Sam Neill on the ground. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't like, so I like fairy tales and, um, I, the aspect of this story is like, you know, it's a kiss that brings Snow White back to life, but instead, um, you just get the dwarf that, um, or well, whatever he is, he's not really a dwarf, but one of the seven men, I guess, um, is takes over the love interest because the other dude's just going to let her fucking die there. And instead of a kiss, he just yells, breathe, breathe. <laughs> I did. I did think that was rather stupid too. Not going to lie. <laughs> and that's what brings her back to life. So um, yeah. Um, aside from that. And like, there's that cliche line. It's snowing. Like I literally fucking hated this movie. Those were the only things that like, I don't know. Like I, I fucking hated it. It was boring. Um, I'm sorry. That's all I got. Tell me how you really feel. I fucking hated it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Maybe I'll go. Oh, I was going to say, I'll go next. Uh, okay. Everything Lacey said. Uh, I had so much trouble getting through this movie. It's not my subgenre. So for the first 15 minutes, I was like, okay, don't be harsh on it because it's just not your subgenre. I could not, I, I barely got through this movie. That's all I'm going to say because I don't like to be mean about things. <laughs> what do you mean? It's called Pillow Fight, Rebecca. You were. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, even I... controversy. I picked the movie and I don't even, this isn't my subgenre either. So I was actually scared that I wasn't going to be able to get into it. And I don't know. I actually did. So. Yeah, I gave it a shot. I did give it a shot. But yeah. I'm not a fan of the dark fairy tale reimagining thing or, you know, like stepmoms having miscarriages and whatever the hell happened yes. in this movie. It was just bizarre. Rebecca, <laughs> genre of stepmoms having miscarriages. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Nikki. Yeah, I didn't hate this, but I didn't love it. And what was good about it for me is I thought the costumes, the makeup, and the acting was all very amazing. And I thought it was cool how it showed an interesting dynamic between a stepmother and a daughter and how those types of relationships can be strained and how basically jealousy consumes both of them. And with the mirror, I think it was a metaphor that they were both reflections of each other. So I thought that that was interesting. I actually do enjoy fairy tale retellings, but this was rather slow in certain parts. And I also didn't really find this story to be horror. I mean, there were, you know, scenes where hearts were cut out and that is horrific, but it definitely just fell more adventure to me with little action. And the one thing that annoyed me the, the most about this film, and this is probably a personal preference and that's 100% okay, but I have to speak my truth here, is that when Snow White actually meets the seven miners in the film, I found myself annoyed because every time I tried to count them, the scenes would change very rapidly and it left me feeling unsatisfied because of the, you know, the original story, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And then one of them actually dies by getting sucked into the ground. And I had to accept that I was just never going to know how many of them were until I read on Wiki. Wiki confirmed that there were, in fact, seven of them. And I'm very appreciative of that. 
But overall, um, I, I didn't hate it. But I do think that there was a lot to that could have been improved with it. And I did think Sigourney Weaver was excellent as the evil queen. All right, Heather, close us out. Yeah, this is my new number one movie of all time. I uh, I love it. I'm just kidding. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, if you wanted controversy, I didn't mind. Okay. I didn't dislike it's it as much as you guys Between this and uh, what was the one we watched, The Resort? Oh, man. Oh, come yeah. on. The Resort's a, the resort's a masterpiece. I... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I honestly didn't mind this film. I'm not a big fairy tale fan, but I do like when Grim Brother stuff is done dark. I agree with Carly. I do like that piece of it. Um, very much a 1997 film. I thought Sinorgi Weaver was awesome. I did think her miscarrying was one of the most realistic reactions I've seen to a woman going close to full term and losing her baby. Her grief was overpowering and you know she's a good actress so it's it's no shock that she has the acting shots for that scene i also tried to count the men the minors <laughs> nikki yes um, and i had a really hard time with that though i'll say the one she hooked up with like i was like mm, i hook up with you fuck yeah was, I would. yeah 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 <laughs> i'm like sure fuck this other guy um I did enjoy, like, Sonori Weaver carried the entire film. Like, she did. It was her. It was her show. Sam Neill was fine as the father. And I did enjoy the cute little puppy that was given as a gift um, at the beginning of the film. Very cute little Rottweiler puppy. And it it was, it, it moved. It it did move along. Though I'm not a huge fairy tale fan, I probably liked it just under Carly. Um, I enjoyed it more than the other ladies did. And I'm surprised. I didn't think I would like it either. I, um... Not usually one for fairy tales, but this one was good. And the dark ending, I appreciated. The snowing was cheesy, but, you know, you know and him shaking her awake was dumb, too. But I can I can accept it. Uh, not bad for 1997. Not bad. Thank you, Heather. You're welcome, Carly. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very generous review. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, <clears throat> Let's go around and pick our number five out of these. Um, and let's see if they match up here. Uh, Carly, we'll start with you. Least favorite. So we're giving like our personal ranking and then. Yep. And then we'll fight it out if we need to. Okay. Um, I mean, for me, I think my least favorite was probably Mako. The whatever of death. That would have been my five. Rebecca. No, it's Snow White. Heather. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Mako. Mako for sure. Yay. And <laughs> goes Snow White. So, Nikki, you're a tiebreaker here. Oh, tiebreaker. Tiebreaker. <sighs> but I, I, I actually liked both of those films more than another one. <laughs> oh. Mm. What was I, 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 my, I actually... I thought my my least favorite was the hidden. Oh. Oh my. <laughs> what do we do now? <laughs> um, does anybody want to switch their vote to Mako or the Hidden? I like the Hidden. The Hidden personally will be my number four, Nikki. All right. So let's see. Mako or Snow White? Um Mm. Which one think, was a better quality film, Nikki? 
for me, the Heather. Better- <laughs> 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 no, because what you're saying is, which one's newer? At who was picked? What was picked by the younger person? <laughs> that is exactly what I am saying. Which one? <laughs> well, well, okay. Let's just reflect on the arguments that were had. There were actually two very strong opinions about Snow White not being able to handle it or not handle it, but couldn't, um, didn't enjoy it at all. Couldn't, didn't want to stick with it. So I guess I'm going to go with Snow White being the, the fifth one. Okay. So <clears throat> now we have, I'm guessing it comes down to the hidden and Mako. So, um, Nikki, so obviously the hidden was your least favorite, and Rebecca, you already said the hidden was your second. But, four. Yeah. but Heather and Carly both voted for Mako. Mm-hmm. Uh, so are are you guys sticking with Mako as your least fave? Yeah, yes. I definitely would. Oh, I mean, it's my own movie, but... I don't know. There's just something about fucking him being plunged to his own fucking death. Like, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Um, and I really like that bar scene. Um, yeah, I think based off of the stiff stripper, I'm going to get rid of the hidden. <laughs> I'm surprised so, you guys didn't like that one as much. It was it was fine. It was serviceable, but it just I yeah. felt like it wasn't horror enough um, mm-hmm. in order for me to move it forward in this debate, I believe. So um, I think that settles that Mako's probably our third. That sounds mm-hmm. fair. Mm-hmm. Are we good yeah. with that? Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. So it comes down to Psycho 2, both Tom Holland movies, by the way. Scream for help. Which one did you have a more fun time with? Or do you think it's a better movie? I don't know what your criteria is going in. Um, Yeah, one has an established connection to a previous film, so there's already that anticipation going in. But there has to be something said that it was done well, considering it was so many years later. And then you have this other made-for-TV school special that we all had a really good time with it seems like so um yeah um nikki do you pick psycho or your own film scream for help you know i actually did enjoy scream for help more than psycho 2 but um once again using the the analysis of seeing what everybody else thought it um all four of you really did enjoy psycho 2 but so, that doesn't matter. It's your own personal preference. Stop sticking. Well, no. Well, I am sticking to Amanda. I'm talking. It's annoying. I haven't finished yet. Ah. I haven't finished yet. Fight, 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 fight. Yeah, here's pillow fighting. You wanted it. You got it. Thank you. <laughs> I've already said that I like Scream for Help more than Psycho 2, so that would most definitely be my pick. But I know with the arguments that were provided that everyone else seemed to really enjoy Psycho 2. So, I, I mean, I am fine with whatever there, but my pick to go through would definitely be Scream for Help, obviously. Well, it kind of sounded like you were like, well, since everybody else is going to pick it up. That, I wasn't done talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how it was setting up. And, you know, now we have that moment live. 
and I'm thankful because there was a little bit of a fight. So let's see if we can. <laughs> All right, um, Rebecca. Um, I think I had more fun with Scream for Help, but I think Psycho Two is the better movie. So Psycho Two is one, Scream for Help two. Carly. Yeah, I would um, put Scream for Help at number two. Um, you know, I do have fun with it. I don't think I have as much fun with it um, as you guys all did, but it is a fun, cheesy little movie. But, I, you know, I, I've always loved Psycho 2, so that's easily my number one. Heather? Psycho 2 is my number one. Scream for Help, number two. <laughs> I, I don't think Tom Holland would be too upset. Um, it obviously doesn't matter what I pick, so we can move on. Um, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, I had more fun watching Scream for Help. <laughs> um, it, it just feels more like my speed of, uh, like, I'm on this really cheesy 80s kick right now, and it just kind of had everything that I was looking for in that moment and I don't know like I, I I know I'll watch it again because I thought it was fun so um and I feel like due to the fact that Psycho 2 already has an established connection and it's a sequel um I feel like I don't know I feel like in the the other one all the other films are standalone so I have to give it credit for that because you know uh, and to have that much fun I mean Psycho 2 is a really well done movie it really is and i'm excited to watch part three um but i feel like it had the advantage from the get-go so just based off of that like it makes me kind of meh um so i'm gonna go for scream for help overall because i just had a lot of fun with it but it doesn't matter because it's three on two so psycho two is our winner and scream for help number two mako the Jaws, which I never would have thought would have came in at three, but it did. The Hidden and Fuck Snow White. All right. Oh, <laughs> poor Snow White. <laughs> poor Carly. It's okay, no, Carly. Carly. I like Snow White. Thank it's you. Okay. Carly, do better. Carly, do better. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now these are all blind picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We didn't okay. know. We didn't That's know. That's the fun well, of it. <laughs> Clearly, 97 apparently does suck. I think, you know, I think you, like, self-sabotage the year 97 because you're like, here, let me just pick one that probably nobody wants to fucking watch. <laughs> I liked it, Carly. Carly, we'll do a new podcast called Her and Her. Thank fuck you. his and her. That's our new yeah. podcast. It's coming <laughs> Uh Well, thank you, everybody, for being a good sport. When we return, since we are covering our birth years, what more fun than to do a suggested pick by Rebecca Reinhardt, Bloody Birthday. 1970, three children were born during a total eclipse of the sun. Now, 10 years later, they share a terrible compulsion to kill, and no one can stop them. If they decide they don't like you, watch out. The children will stop at nothing to get a deadly murder weapon. And anyone can be their victim. No one is safe. Not even their families can escape.
bloody birthday. Children shouldn't play with sharp objects. They hate their babysitter and her little brother. And the teachers at school are so mean. No matter where you run, they'll find you. There's no escape. Bloody birthday. A terrifying journey into the bazaar. Will you get out alive? And now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. And now it's time for the grand finale of episode 14 with our feature presentation, Bloody Birthday. Uh, Rebecca, this was suggested by you, so I'm going to let you kick things off. All right. So Bloody Birthday, we did a Killer Kids episode, uh, many episodes before. And the way that we did it is we all came up with our own list sent all those lists to Lacey. Lacey picked the ones that showed up most frequently to come up with our top 10. Um, my top killer kid in general was Debbie from Bloody Birthday, and she didn't even make it into the top 10. I thought it was terrible. Huh. So I, I'm really glad that she gets a little bit of time to be talked about. Um, this is from the golden year of 1981. You've got Julie Brown from MTV. Um, you've got, uh, three kids who they're born without a conscience, apparently, because they're all born during a, an eclipse <laughs> all at the same time. And now they're turning 12. And so that does something. I'm not sure what, um, I just always really love this. I think Debbie's terrifying. Uh, the boys are like, the boys just kind of play off as like, they're just lackeys. They just kind of do whatever she says. But Debbie has the most angelic face. Uh, and she plays it off so well through the whole movie um, that I just I find it incredibly terrifying. And I've always really liked it. And it's got uh, some good suspense to it. And and just like she's enterprising, you know, she has a hole drilled in her sister's closet and is charging <laughs> to look at her undress. I mean, She's a smarty. So, uh, yeah, I just I've always really loved this movie. And um, yeah, so I'm glad we got to do it. Yeah, this was actually like a second time watch for me. And like the only thing that like I had really remembered about it was the fact that it has the brother from just one of the guys. Mm -hmm. uh, he plays Curtis. Billy Jacoby. Yeah. Is it Jacoby? I always called it Jacoby. But <laughs> I think it's Jacoby. Um, yeah. So I always like. Um, that's what I remembered was the fact that that was the little brother from just one of the guys. So we all know what happens to him later in life. Um, but no, I, I think this movie is a lot of fun too. Um, these are some strong little fucking kids. Um, you know, with the, the opening kill scene with the jump rope. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess we should do general thoughts first, but, um, yeah, no, I, I still think it's a lot of fun. Um, I remembered the ending being different, but we can get into that in a few. Um, 
for some reason my the the ending was way more morbid in my head um but yeah overall um i think this is a solid feature for us to discuss and i'm curious now that uh we're actually covering it if debbie if anybody thinks debbie would have beat out rhoda or is it rhonda is it rhoda rhonda i can't remember we don't even know the name of our top killer kid what does that say (laughs) (laughs) the bad seed girl isn't it isn't it rhoda i think it's rhoda yeah um yeah so nikki what about you general thoughts uh, general thoughts. I thought this was a sinister little film, and I believe I have seen this before, and it's it's one I enjoy too. And it, it's not your typical kid killer film because mo- most of the time it's just one kid killer. This one you have three, and they all do a very good job in the film of acting. And like the scene that just stands out the most to me is when they're at the birthday party. And he's in the the back and he's like holding on to the bottle of ant poison. And she comes in thinking that he had poisoned, but he like kind of manipulated the situation. Just like the little smirk snipey look on his face when they're in front of the crowd, when she's calling him out about what he did. Like, I thought that that was very, very well done scene because it like it focuses on everyone eating the cake and it's like intense. You're like, are they are they actually eating it? Are they not? Yeah. it definitely grips you as you're watching it. And I like def- I like intense moments like that in my horror films. Uh, Debbie, yeah, solid child actor. Um, played the role very well. I definitely think she would have made it. I think she would have made it to battle out with Rhoda. And I think hearing everybody's arguments about that would be interesting because I I do think she has the potential to have beaten her out. Um, Heather had reminded me that there was astrology aspects to the film as well. And I actually really did like that where the, the older sister is studying astrology. I'm very interested in that as well. And I think that our signs do say a lot about who we are as people. I don't think it is always 100% right, but she says something very interesting in the film when she's like, yeah, what if our lives are pre-planned before we come here? And she makes a comment about how when the the planets aligned in a certain format that a president of the United States, whoever is in office, like dies. And I was like, that's like, I actually thought about that. I'm like, what if there is some truth to that? Just, it got me pondering. So this movie made me think, this movie made me laugh, because there are certain elements of this that are comedic, and I thought the acting was good, I thought the horror was good, I really enjoyed this. Heather? You know, I, this is probably close to one of my favorite movies from the 80s that I've seen. I really liked this movie. I don't know how I missed it before and why I didn't watch it. I enjoyed all the kill scenes even the one where the kid gets locked in the freezer <laughs> which i didn't know if he was gonna... all the, t- all the oh, man. 80s by the way right like that was the biggest thing about getting locked in freezers when you were a kid in the 80s oh, yeah. um but fuck like i didn't know if that kid was gonna get out or not and that was really to me really interesting that i was watching this movie and i'm like fuck is this kid gonna suffocate in this fucking freezer in the middle of a junkyard and the way that the sheriff dies 
I thought was really interesting. And the three little evil fucking kids, like it was, it was really brilliant. And the rat poison scene or the ant poison scene where Curtis tricks, um, I can't remember the main lady's name now into believing that he's poisoned the icing and put it on the cake. That back and forth between herself and that little kid and those people was really fucking good. Like, I really enjoyed the suspense of this film. I found the ending was a little sloppy. Like, they kind of rushed it with the chase scene in the house. And I didn't like that as much. But all throughout the film, I I enjoyed the 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 killing of the teacher. I enjoyed, you know, how they were, like, taking no fucking holds bars prisoners. These three little kids. And... It was fucking great. And I agree. The fact that she was charging kids to watch her sister undress and dance in the mirror was fucking brilliant. Like it was this was a big peeping Tom episode with some of the peeping Tom stuff we had going on. But like true. This does. Yeah, we did. have A lot. You're right. A lot of that shit. I I really liked this movie and I'm sad I missed out on it before. And I'm really glad we got to watch it today or for this episode. Miss Carla. That me. Um. I saw this once before about a year ago, probably. I have it on DVD. Um, It's a very uh, shit dog quality DVD, but um, I forget where I watched. Did I watch this on Tubi or this time around? I don't think I watched my DVD this time because I was trying to find a different quality of it. But um, I I remember I I thought it was very interesting the first time I watched it. And this time around, uh, I enjoyed it more. Um, The kids are very evil um especially i, I kind of like i feel like the blonde boy i don't really think about too much but the kid with the glasses he and literally did nothing yeah he, he just yeah he's very he forgettable he's just kind of like they're lackey but um yeah <laughs> the, the little girl and the little boy are just so there's something about them their face like the way that they look like it would be evil kids like in real life um and the acting is very good uh the poison scene with the cake I find disturbing. Locking that kid in the freezer disturbed me as well. That would be like one of the worst ways to die. Like to me, it was just like being stuck somewhere and then just suffocating or starving to death or, you know, whatever. And then like, you know, who people probably wouldn't even find him there. So it's just a very disturbing concept. Um, You know, I do like how it's like that kid and his sister almost reminds me of like summer party massacre in a way where, you know, you have like the sisters next door and something's like going on in the other house. And that's kind of like a big thing with this movie. You got the little boy and his sister and they know something fishy is going on with these three kids, but no one really believes them and stuff like that. And uh, it's just, it's definitely a fun movie. Um, and, but it's also, like I said, disturbing, uh, the sister, you know, dancing in the mirror, that scene almost bothers me because the song she's listening to then gets stuck in my head for the remainder of the <laughs> runtime. For the film. I can't tell you how it goes now, but like it happened to me the first time I saw it and the second time. And it's actually quite annoying. I can't stop thinking about it. So there's that, but, uh, yeah, it's a great film, you know, the ending um, annoys me because fuck that kid. But uh, I'm glad I got to watch it again because, I, like I said, I enjoyed it more this time around. And it's one that I will continue to watch for fun in the future. So the ending, the very, very ending where she gets off scot-free and mom knows what she did, but mom's not going to lose another kid. Mom's a little off. 
And then uh, they show them at, at like a hotel or a motel or whatever. And then we see that Debbie killed <laughs> the dude who was like working on a semi. Um, they actually set that up for a sequel. They had wanted to do a sequel where then it was Debbie and her mom on the mm-hmm. lamb. But it never happened, which I'm glad they didn't do that. That kind of would have been stupid. There were ways that they could have done it. But yeah, that was that was a complete sequel setup. Yeah, for some reason, like, this is not the ending that I remembered. The ending that, like, I thought happened was all three of them, for some reason, in my head, maybe it's because I wanted it to happen, (laughs) um, was somehow little Timmy and his sister, like, fought them off in that treehouse, and then there was a shot, like, looming over their dead bodies, like, huh? <laughs> like, I don't know why I thought that was the ending of this movie where they're all all three of the kids are just dead because um, the they cut down the treehouse or something. I don't know. But yeah, that, that would have been better. That's that's originally what I thought. Um, I swear that's a movie somewhere. <laughs> um, and I thought it was this one, but um, it had been a long time since I seen it. Now, to bring up the question of whether she would be if Debbie would beat Rhoda. Um, I believe the argument to why Rhoda won was because she was the OG and set up um, the elements for all the other killer kids to follow. And Debbie is very much like her. Um, Manipulative, um, gets, you know, people to kind of do her bidding. Um, So, yeah, I I still feel like based off of our argument there, I think she would have won. No, I don't think so. How can we not, if we go with OG, there would be no Debbie if it wasn't for Rhoda. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying I think Rhoda would have won. Oh, so, sorry. I thought you meant Debbie. Sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah, just based off of, I believe that was yeah. our argument, period. Yeah. 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 But still, justice for Debbie. She should have been in the running. Um, justice for Debbie. Yeah. yeah. What <laughs> I love about this movie, too, that you can really, like, forget about, but you know, when you go back in retrospect, the parents are on vacation the entire time. There are kids getting murdered, teachers, kids, people being murdered in this town. And they're like, oh, we don't want to bug mom and dad on their vacation to tell them that people are getting murdered and maybe they should come home. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We don't want to worry them. Yeah. Oh, oh, but they're having so much fun. Yeah. And her dad has a bad heart. So you don't want to... True. Um, I, don't want to. Yeah, just don't tell them anything. That and then if we get murdered, you know, at least they had a good vacation. <laughs> I loved the teacher getting it though. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like, it reminded me of, um, you know, in part two of Child's Play, Mrs. Kettlewell. Yeah. Um, obviously that movie came out much later, but, um, I don't know. There's just something about like annoying fucking teachers that get it, and this bitch was super fucking annoying. Um. <laughs> Like, she's, like, yelling at the kid, Or she told them, she's like, just because you all have the same birthday, that doesn't make you special. Well, actually, it kind of fucking does. So, there's that. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, what kind of teacher says that to their students anyway? So, I was just like, all right. I, I forgot how she died. So, I was excited to see how that was going to play out. Because, you know, she's going to get it. Because she told them they weren't special. But they were like, have a nice weekend. She goes, oh, why, thank you. Like, how delusional are you, bitch? very delusional like they really don't want you to have a nice weekend you just told them they weren't fucking special (laughs) (laughs) i like that i like that whole scene when the cop comes in and he's like do you kids know what a murderer is (laughs) it feels so weird like 
No one's gonna. You're not gonna ask a group of kids that. <laughs> It sounds like, uh, what's his face, Peter, or yeah, Peter Graves from Airplane. Say, have you ever seen a gladiator movie? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what a murder is? (laughs) Uh, So weird. Yeah, one thing that I uh, thought was pretty interesting was when Curtis was shooting the gun, he was a terrible shot. And I think that that was pretty accurate for a kid handling a gun who had probably yeah. never handled it before. Um, he was just widely shooting at the curtains and. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is like, how do these kids have access to all these fucking guns? That's well, a good his, question. His was a replica at first. Yeah. Um, Cause it was okay to bring fake guns to school in 1981. I can vouch for that. I think, you know, toy guns were okay, but it was because the, dad because debbie's dad was a cop and they had the one gun in that little safe oh yeah yeah so that's where he they got it from and they switched it so do you think that's why they ended up killing him first so that they could get the gun (laughs) i think debbie just was like you know what dad's getting on my nerves i'm gonna kill him yeah (laughs) they didn't really seem to have anything to do with it except for they were cleanup crew she was just like yeah you know what dad's really like dragging me down and he's on to me you know there's there's a murder and now you know i've got to get rid of him so he doesn't catch me that and i like the fact that apparently autopsies apparently didn't exist in 1981 (laughs) no kidding huh every time one of the anytime somebody died it just shows the kids crying at a funeral (laughs) <laughs> right <laughs> no like obviously like let's check the bullets in the gun like where did this gun come from like the jump rope like that she just drops mm. i love that she dropped the jump rope at the beat i don't believe that they could have strangled the bitch like from that like i don't feel like they would have been that strong enough as kids but suspend belief whatever um but the the one thing is like with the sister who gets shot in the eye um with the you know, bow and arrow, like they'd be looking for that. Right. Like, why, why are like, instead we just go next to a funeral, like, come on, like, I'm sure there are fragments of that fucking arrow in her eye. <laughs> yeah. You know, but instead you just see them crying at the funeral. So well, um, yeah. Mad props to her for crying too, because you already know she doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, now she's not going to make 25 cents. Oh, yeah, her job. Yeah, she's going to have to go into the unemployment line now. (laughs) Damn. No, but they do set it up to where the mom, like, after the daughter dies, like, she does go into, like, a psycho ward. It looks like that's what she's being checked into. Yeah, that's at least realistic. And, like, some of these... Some of these movies, it's like the whole family dies, and it's just like, oh, it'll be all right. <laughs> like, I don't think that's how it works. So I, I thought that was realistic, at least for this film. But yeah, I just, I like, I also like how they put that skateboard down for the dad to trip over, and he bypasses it, and then dude just comes out. It's like, okay, well. Well, then they had to drag his body, though. Like, these kids aren't that strong. Like, Yeah, I can't drag a body. <laughs> no. <laughs> never makes sense to me. Mr. I cannot do that. Well. And Debbie, she was a lot like Dexter, too. She kept, like, newspaper clippings, which oh, probably yeah. considered her trophies of the, the kills that she did. Like, she had a little scrapbook. Like, mm-hmm. she, she thought things out. Mm-hmm. 
And then she's yeah, just like, she hey. was the brains of the operation for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what do we think happened to Curtis and Steven? I know we see them coming out of what looks like maybe the courthouse or police station. Like Curtis was. They got sent to juvie. Or did I just did I just fill that in in my head? I think they got sent to juvie and she was exonerated. I mean, they put them in a cop car. I don't remember what the outcome. Like walking was. out and then it cuts to Debbie with her mom and then she killed the dude. <laughs> yeah, they clear, just... they clearly are taking crap. Yeah. Whatever ends up happening to them, and that's what I thought would have been cool for a sequel. Is like Debbie and Mom went on the lam. And then a few years later, those two boys got out of juvie and then met back up with Debbie and then they could start up again. Yeah, I thought that would have been kind of cool. That would have been interesting. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Like, so, like, I don't think that, like, Debbie was exonerated because, like, obviously the Timmy sister, like, seeing her try to strangle him, you know, um... So I believe that, you know, I so the way that I took it was that the mom knew what happened because she told her, like, she had to, so she just got her the fuck out of there. So I believe that the police would be looking at her, looking for her, right? Maybe. You'd think. I'm, like, visualizing the scene right before he gets taken away, like, after he doesn't have, like, his gun anymore or whatever, and he just, like, kind of lays on the floor and they, like, hawked him. <laughs> and, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> I don't get how you just go to a different place and change your name and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it's like, isn't that suspicious too? Like, because you would have to go through like legal stuff to get your name changed and your daughter's name changed and like start a new. Like, I I always find that like. Yeah, I don't know anybody that makes fake IDs that are, like, realistic looking. (laughs) Yeah, but in 81, I mean, you could get a fake ID. Like, I mean, in Uh, 81, yeah. And, I mean, if you think about it, too, the mom is a cop's wife, so she might have some, you know, some contacts with some rather sketchy people who could help. I mean, I think it was easier. I think it was easier back then. Or at least in the movies, it was easier. Right, right, yeah. All right. Well, do you guys want to discuss anything else of Bloody Birthday? Or should we None. get a ratings? I, yeah, I'm ready to rate. All right, then. Kick us what? off, pal. Is it out of, I always forget, five or ten? What do we do again? Five. five. Um, this is a five out of five for me. I love this movie. I thought it was really great. I'm sad I missed it before. I don't even know why I skipped over it so many times. Maybe I just thought it was going to be like a shitty version of happy birthday to me. I don't know. And it really wasn't. These kids are awesome. I love the whole creepy kid vibe in it. I really enjoy the horoscope aspect of it. I thought that was really cool. And there's some really suspenseful scenes. Um, As I said, that freezer freezer scene really got me. I didn't know what was going to happen to that young man. And if a movie can actually make me feel emotion and concern, it's a good film. So five out of five. Rebecca. Yep. Well, I picked it for a reason. Um, and I heart Debbie. Uh, so, yeah, five out of five for me. Harley. Yeah, I, like I said, I enjoyed this one uh, fairly more than I did the first time around. I think it does killer kids in some of the best ways. I like that you have three kids in this film doing all the evil stuff. It kind of makes it a little more intimidating. Um, and, yeah, I would... Um, 
I think I would give it like a four out of five. I don't think it's perfect, but I, I really enjoyed it. All right, Nikki. Yeah, I too would give it a four out of five. It, it wasn't perfect in its entirety for me, but I really did enjoy it. I think this is a solid horror film. And I'm going to go a 4.5 just because Steven's a little cuck who didn't do anything. So <laughs> um, aside from that, and the fact that, you know, you have to do suspend belief of how they carry and drag these bodies. Um, I just, yeah, aside from that, it, it's it's a really fun watch. Um, and uh, like the clown at that birthday party, we didn't mention him, but he was really fucking Did Lacey get thrown in a washer? <laughs> <laughs> you're trotting, not trotting, but you're washing out, Lacey. It sounds like you're in an airplane, Lacey. Or like you're standing next to an airplane. Well, is that better? Yeah. Yeah. That was weird. Okay, yeah. Um, no, but the clown was really fucking creepy. And <laughs> at the birthday party, like, I can't remember what it said on his shirt, but it was something. But, um, yeah, overall, it's a really fun watch. And so 4.5. It said, I, it, on the shirt, it said, I don't say no. That's creepy. That's funny. Yeah. I remember that. I don't yeah. remember what the clown looks like, really. Like, he looked like a Wish version of, like, a clown that you should be ordering. Uh, <laughs> or, uh, I don't think you should ever order a clown to begin with. Well, for a birthday party, like, I mean, these kids seem like they have a little bit of money or their family, so I would think that they would have hired a more realistic. A good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that concludes episode 14. Thank you, ladies, as always, and we will see you on the next one. Bye. 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 Bye.
please that body, body out. Oh, girl, without a broom, I might just sweep you off your feet and make you want to tell somebody, body how I do. Or maybe we can float on top my water bed. You close your eyes. 